millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Content warning. The Adventures in Hellworld podcast talks in depth about QAnon, which means we have to talk about all kinds of child abuse and violence against people. Listener discretion advised. Hello, everybody. I am Mike Rains, a.k.a. Poker Politics. I am here today with a special interview. I am joined by a recently banned from Twitter, uh, in, I don't know what you'd say, investigator, uh, someone who's done underground research on, undercover research on MAGA and QAnon, uh, Amanda, a.k.a. Frank the Turtle. So thank you so much for uh, joining me here. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting. <laughs> I am always gobsmacked when people find it exciting to talk to me. <laughs> but um, so how did this all start? How did you become, start getting into being an undercover investigator into this world, as it were? Um, so I've always tracked like QAnon and the far right and Trump. You know, I went to Trump rallies to protest or to just observe. I've like accidentally walked into the, like the Laura Loomer side of a Laura Loomer rally slash Laura Loomer counter rally. Like I, I just walked on in and no one stopped me. Um, and I've always kind of taken a lot of video and recorded. Um, and I used to write, so I'd write up stuff about some things. Um, so I had that background. And then when COVID happened, my business, uh, was not allowed to operate and I was given very little money on unemployment. So I ended up uh, losing my home when we lost the federal uh, add-on in like September or whatever, um, and which meant I was, you know, free up of like $1,500 a month, which was rent. So when we got, you know, the $2,000 checks and we got all of this stuff, I um, decided I would put it to use by beginning to go to rallies um, and just kind of spy on people, <laughs> I guess. 
Um, my intention was just to go to things and like casually record, um, not to really be undercover. But you don't really have a choice um, at these things because you wear a mask or you don't. <laughs> like you're press or you're not. Um, so, you know, people kind of would just talk to me a lot and, and see me at multiple events and it kind of just spiraled from there. So not wearing a mask was your basic, like, that was like your undercover uniform was being like a sort of, I ain't afraid of this COVID, it's all a hoax, and the 5G rays are causing it, and burgle orgle. So people were just very comfortable with you because you were mask-free, and thusly you were one of us, as it were, to the MAGA QAnon people. Yeah, well, I mean, I look like one of them, right? And, like, I also, like, in my personal life, happen to dress in a way that looks very Republican-esque. Um, so for the November Stop the Steel rally, I wore a mask. And then December, I was like, this isn't safe. I can't do this anymore. So I took the mask off. Um, and, and just went normal, normal faced. Um, and that pretty much sealed the deal. Yeah. I mean, there's, you don't even like, I would say it wasn't until about May that you would see reporters without masks on. So that's all it took. So being massless and also having a beautiful white skin was just this perfect like entry point into their world. So what was, who was like the first, like what we would call a quote unquote big name that you ran into that you were able to get access to and have a conversation with? Um, so I did the Stop the Seal rallies, which obviously the third one ended up being like a, the insurrection. Um, and that was where I decided to go to CPAC. And I got a ticket to CPAC, and I also went to a fundraiser at CPAC, a private fundraiser for um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, and Laura Loomer. So that was my first, like, I'm like two feet from, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene or Gosar or whoever. Um, so it took a couple months of that. Yeah. So uh, that seemed, I mean, that is really interesting because I didn't know that uh, was Gosart, uh, Taylor Green, and Loomer all like together. Were they on the sta- stage at the same time or any of that kind of stuff? So it was uh, a group called Republicans for National Renewal. It was their fundraiser. So it wasn't like an FEC fundraiser, right? Um, it was, you know, an open bar, like here's some speeches kind of situation uh, at the Rosen Hotel across the street from CPAC. Um, so it was pretty small. Yeah, so that's really interesting to me because like Loomer is such a aggressive Islamophobe and just kind of all around terrible person that like even Gosart and and Marjorie, I mean on the on the gradient scale of like terrible people, like they're like a nine point six or a nine point seven, but Loomer's like a perfect ten. So it's really surprising to me that like. They were like, Laura Loomer has really no chance of holding elected office in America, is basically actually uh, a crazy person and an open racist, but we're still cool with being with her. It's still okay to put my arm around her and be like. Don't forget, this was, so this was Saturday night at CPAC. Friday night at CPAC was AFPAC. Nick Fuentes is America first, you know, and Gosar and Loomer were both speakers there. And I, yeah, yeah, you know, Gosart's basically a Nazi. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah he. I, I, I'm going to actually push back on that. I'm, I'm going to remove the basically from that sentence. Fair, fair. Gosart is a Nazi. I, mm-hmm. I mean, he's the guy that literally had his family run a campaign ad saying he's terrible. Please vote against him. He's so bad. 
Yeah. And his district is so rotten that he still won anyway. So, I mean, that's yeah. just, uh, gerrymandering, what, what the founding fathers intended when they created America. Whatever so, it takes, you know, you got to yeah. draw those uh, lines. Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. What's really interesting. I mean, uh, like a slight segue away from like this madness is just the fact that there's been talk that. Uh, the congressional district that our beautiful baby boy, Ron Watkins, who has an open invite to attend the podcast whenever he wants. Again, Adventures in Hell World podcast, QAnon themed. Ron, you'll fit right in. Join us. Uh, Ron, I will make a podcast if you come on mine. Listen. (laughs) Yes, yes. The Amanda Talks to Ron podcast. (laughs) Roncast. What do you think? Yes, Roncast with Q for the O and Ron. (laughs) But uh, what I was going to say is... uh, there's been talk that the district that Ron thinks he's running in is going to be the district they're going to exile Gosart to. That like the because because uh, he's in because Gosart's currently in the Arizona fourth. They're talking about making his district the Arizona first, and that's where Ron is running right now is the Arizona first. So I oh my god, I I've never wanted something more. I literally have never wanted something more. <laughs> You want hot Watkins on Gosart action, as it were. Uh huh. One hundred percent. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Ron has uh, made a statement that he is going to aggressively carpet bag whichever district uh, O'Halloran, the Democrat that Ron now currently bitterly hates, because he thinks that that's the only different, the only step between him and uh, electoral power in America. And I think I don't think Ron understands that he's going to have to run in a Republican primary where he's going to have almost no support anyways. But uh, my one promise to you and everybody else is that if Ron Watkins were to somehow make it to the general election, uh, I will take a leave of absence from my job and I will I will do I will go to HuffPo, Vice, anyone and be like, give me a press accreditation. I'm I'm road tripping to Arizona. I am covering this this election. I'm just covering. <laughs> I'm going to cover Ron Watkins goes to Congress. I'm going to, I'll write three articles a week for you guys. I'll write a book about it. I, Cause I had said that previously when, uh, like, you, you know, CJ truth. I don't know. Have you ever encountered him in, in real life or anything? No. CJ truth is a hardcore. Uh, he's, he's been kind of off the grid in the QAnon world. He was a hardcore Christian, uh, like more of like the sort of like come to Jesus and then Q will help you out kind of guy. And he got doxxed as being a professional bodybuilder who lives in Texas, and he's absolutely shredded. He's a terrifying human being. But um, CJ Truth had made some rumblings that Dan Crenshaw wasn't MAGA enough to his liking. And that oh, yeah, gonna, Dan's a cuck. Yeah, and he was going to primary Crenshaw. And I was like, if CJ Truth primaries Crenshaw, I'm driving to Texas, baby. I actually had one of one uh, someone on Twitter DM me and said, if you actually cover the Crenshaw CJ Truth primary, you can, I'll, I'll let you crash at my place. And I was like, thanks for the offer. Um, I'll be there, maybe. But uh, CJ has been pretty inactive recently in the QAnon world. I haven't seen him posting a lot on social media. So maybe he's just kind of given up on all this crap or at the very least, is just dialing it back a little. So I, I doubt I'm going to get my unbelievably fit bodybuilder versus uh, war vet uh, QAnon versus MAGA primary, as it were, which is unfortunate. So uh, any other extremist elected officials that you got in close <clears throat> contact with besides uh, Gosert and uh, Marjorie and uh, attempted elected official Laura Loomer, who got absolutely trucked in Florida? Sabatini. 
So what's uh, he's the Arizona guy? No, Sabatini was, um, I think at one time, perhaps considered the first uh, QAnon elected uh, official because he was very Q friendly. Uh, he's a state senator in Florida. Um, he's a populist. He was a speaker at the American Populist Union, which was an event um, hosted by young fascists across from Turning Point USA Student Action Summit back in July, famously where I got breakthrough COVID. Um, and uh, he's also deeply affiliated with a group called Republicans for Nat- the group Republicans for National Renewal, who um, organized the Gosar Green Loomer event. Oh, so yeah, this so that guy again is not basically a Nazi. He's a Nazi. I would say that's a um, a pretty close assessment. <laughs> he's a he's a, a far right populist. Yeah, which you know, yeah, that's motto. <laughs> he's smoking if you got him. If, if it if it quacks like a duck and all that stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, that same group is like also affiliated with Joe Kent. So like. And Joe Kent and Sabatini are closely intertwined. And Joe Kent is running for Congress. So Sabatini's not running for Congress in Florida. He's a sitting state senator running for Congress. Joe Kent is running for Congress in Washington. He's a, his area would be like where Battleground Washington is. Yeah. Um, he's also a, a far-right populist. That is a very, uh, I don't know, like loaded term, far-right populist, as it were. So... I, I have never heard of Joe Kent. So, I mean, that's something I, I desperately yearn for is to learn more about all of these various people. I know that uh, Alex Kaplan has a pretty good list of like QAnon candidates for Congress and stuff like that. So, yeah, well, Alex is probably sick of me sending him far right populists. <laughs> <laughs> in case they say some Q shit, put him on the list. He's <laughs> just not a QAnon person. Amanda, please fuck off. He doesn't say that because he's a very polite person, but I'm sure he thinks so. Oh, uh, Alex, Alex has uh, very high standards for his uh, QAnon list. Um, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I actually had this one moment of like fleeting terror with him where he was just kind of like, how do I quantify Ron Watkins? And I was like, he's a QAnon candidate. You quantify him as one. He is. He is. He is. I'm, 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 I was just like, he's he's actually Q. I mean, this... Yeah. And, and, and Alex was just sort of like, well, this kind of breaks my mold because I never thought Ron was going to run directly. <laughs> and, and, like, me me and a few other people had to, like, steal his spine to be like, it's okay to put Ron on the list. You can do it. I believe in you. There's, like, you know, there's, there's QAnons and there's candidates. <laughs> oh, you just... You know? There is there is no QAnon candidate. No, it's Q drop it's Q drop four eight eight two after Q drop four eight eight one that explained that there is no QAnon. Exactly, exactly. Oh man, uh, I, I think that's like, that's one of my, that's one of the things that makes me laugh the most is when uh, people who hate me on the internet say this guy calls himself a QAnon expert when there is no QAnon, so we should know that. And it's like, you know, you guys proudly called yourselves QAnon for like two years, and then it got negative, and then Q made that post to tell you to stop calling yourselves that so you wouldn't like get like Twitter banned and shit. So sorry, you you, you hashtag QAnon was one of the most popular hashtags on Twitter for forever. It like I mean that's like it blew my mind. So the reason QAnon John originally blocked me on Twitter was because I just kept dragging him. 
posting all this telegrams about like there's you know there's no q and there's q and anons and i'm like bro is this like your name like what are you talking about i'm like this is the conference mug you gave me like this is there's no q and on it's not a q and on conference what how this like how are you even functioning as a human like where you're just blocking out everything you've ever said before <sighs> I, yeah, I, I remember he had like a very whiny screed where he was just like, "Hey guys, like, um, I I um had this name for a long time and it's kind of my brand, so now I just gotta kind of run with it." But you all know what I mean with the QAnon John thing, right? I mean, it, it, it was like, dude, like you 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 got your marching orders and you're refusing to acknowledge them, so, and I I don't know what else I can say about. It. I mean, it's just one of those things where uh, either you get with the program and become Patriot John, or you don't get with the program and remain QAnon John. I had a uh, I had a reporter uh, from Arizona News, and uh, that guy is like currently ripping his hair out of his head right now with the fact that like Arizona is now just this absolute cesspool for QAnon stuff. And he was like, and he and he said to me. He was like, how do I classify, how do I explain to people that this was a QAnon rally, this Patriot Double Down thing? And I said to him, because it was hosted by a guy named QAnon John, that should probably like be enough to tip people off, that the guy who hosted it actually goes under the pen name or stage name of QAnon John. And he was like, fair point. And then I also uh, grabbed the uh, Patriot Double Down um, like a logo and I showed him all the 17s and the Q in it and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is like the number 17 is like catnip for these people. They can't help themselves. They need more and more of it. And uh, then he was like, Oh, sounds good. And then he, we were going to do an interview and then he called me up and he's like, they've killed my story. And I was like, fuck. So that was great. Sounds about right. So you had, so you dealt with them. Uh, you had that photo with Michael Flynn. Like how many times have you interacted with him? In, in oh this my God, life? this fucking guy. Listen, he's everywhere. And okay. So here's what's crazy about Flynn. As you go to one of these events, you're like a normal attendee or even you're a VIP attendee, like whatever. And there's all this security. There's people like the militias. Usually they're three percenters. And you have to line up and they pat you down to like take a picture with Flynn. But if you just go to the bar at the hotel, he gets drunk. He hangs out with everybody. He'll take pictures with you. He'll ask you if you want a picture, even if you're not asking him for one. <laughs> like, <laughs> him and Lindell are unbelievably accessible. They're only, Lindell and Flynn's accessibility only ends when their schedule is too busy. Otherwise, I mean, like, CPAC, people are just yelling out at Lindell, like, yo, man, like, whatever. And he's stopping to tell him a story. And, like, that's how Flynn is as well. So they're incredibly chummy in the whole production of giving you the pat down for security because they don't want you to try to assassinate the general. It's just uh, kabuki theater. It's all play acting because if you just hang out at the bar, you'll get a photo with Michael Flynn anytime you want it. Yeah. I, I, so I suspect it's partially done by the organizers of the events to give it um, to make it look more serious. I think it's... Um, I think that that is probably how it's happening, but I don't really have any evidence for that. It's just that I don't see, like if it was Flynn's personal security that was making this happen, like they're also at the bar. You know what I mean? So why aren't we getting patted down at the bar? Eh. Right, right. I, but again, I, I feel like that's like a kind of thing where 
you're getting the pat down and all that kind of stuff. So other people who are seeing it are like, oh, look, the great man is being protected by his like Praetorian guard and to make sure that no trouble befalls him. And then if you just like wait five hours, he'll be like half in the bag. He'll be like, hey, pretty lady, you want a photograph of the general? And you're like, uh, not really. Oh, come on, come over here. Like, like, yep. Oh. Like yeah. I've said many times, three star general, five star grip. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Your thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I I think someone pointed that out. They were like they had like a circle around him where he's had his hand on your side. <laughs> and they were like, No hover hands for Flynn. He's in there. He is no, in there. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh so that's that's really funny. But uh yeah, so him and so him and Liddell Totally chummy, totally friendly. Uh, were there any people that were like aggressively inaccessible that like were? I, I'm not like like. I mean, I don't know if you ever were in a Trump rally or anything. Obviously, the president or him would be pretty inaccessible. But I like, almost were- went to Mar-a-Lago. I was uh, two hours late on the um, Secret Service background check, though. Ah, we were almost been, there. That would have been super interesting. That would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. were there any other like? Um, representatives or any senators who were around that were like difficult to get at or were like, just like, Holy crap, this person's like walking right up to me. Like this is Um, bizarre. So I think Bober is somewhere in the middle. Right. Um, Rand Paul, incredibly inaccessible. Matt Gates, incredibly inaccessible. Like I paid $500 to see Matt Gates give a speech. They invited CNN to it. Donnie was there. No, Donny wasn't even there. Donny was like off. He was like, there was another camera crew. He's like, I'm near the venue, but not at the venue. Um, C SPAN, CNN, everybody, $500 to see this guy. And he comes in, gives a speech, and walks the fuck out. 500 of my American dollars I'll never get back. Yeah. And literally, all you were was just in the crowd. D- didn't even get a grip and grin with the guy, just nothing. Uh, there were seven tables of us, but it was outside and they, it was at Trump Doral and the way it's set up is like, there's like a patio area, but from the actual hotel, like, it's like the patio is here and the hotel is here. So it forms basically an L like the patio butts up against the actual physical hotel and there's a little upstairs patio. So people who didn't pay $500 got to sit at the upstairs patio and get almost the exact same experience that I got. And five hundred dollars pretty much guarantees you access, and yeah. I was furious. <laughs> furious. <laughs> the whole thing was just absurd. So he is like very accessible, uh, and then Ryan Paul was at the same event, and he came in. He flew in right before his speech, so it was a it was a main event that you paid. I don't even remember. This all blends in together. However many dollars for, and then you could do extra dinners for five hundred dollars with different speakers. Um, so Ryan Paul was at the main event. And he came in. Gave a speech and got out. We'd gone, dipped out. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks for the money, suckers. Bye. I mean, hey, yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, when it came to Gates, uh, he was just. Uh, you were obviously like not in his uh, age age demographic for him to be interested in you. So, so and the speech that I was there for was in April. It was the first speech he gave after the accusations. <laughs> so it really ruined my plans. Oh, oh, I was man. like, 
oh, I can definitely hit on Matt Gates. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you're looking at that clown and all the stuff that's going on around him and how, like, literally after every speech or event he's ever been involved in, uh, there's 20 people in a room with a mountain of cocaine just waiting to be, like, partaken of. And you're just like, oh, man, this is going to be, like, the easiest thing in the history of the world. Oh, yeah. And maybe I'll get this guy on tape confessing to actual crimes. And instead, he's just like, thank you all. I'm out of here. I got to go Venmo some 17-year-olds some money with the note saying not sex on it. Catch you all (laughs) later. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Very disappointing. Yeah, that, that had to be crushing. You're just like, I'm out five bills, and this prick didn't even like, like acknowledge me. What the what the shit is this? Literally, <laughs> literally seven minute speech. Absurd. The most absurd shit. It's like, this wow. one's such a grift. That that's that's incredible. You, you barely, it was barely a hundred dollars a minute. You have to listen to him talk. I gotta. Get, I, so people call me a grifter, but I gotta get in on that shit. You know. Oh, yeah, just uh, be an elected official, be an elected Republican, just uh, betray what you're doing here. I don't know. I don't know how exactly you do it. Oftentimes on my podcast, we talk about selling out and becoming QAnon grifters and how easy that would be for making money and stuff like that. But yeah, just like have your come to Jesus moment, realize that you were a bad, evil lib, and now you're a reformed conservative, and then just uh, make it rain. Just just cash them checks, as it were. Well, Ghost Ezra's chat is already saying um, that I probably am pilled and I'm just easing my liberal audience into it. So I've got a pathway right there. You do. Ezra fans. Well, I mean, since uh, he's been doxxed, I mean, you could probably go hang out with uh, Robert Smart in Florida uh, like have a little, have a little heart to heart with him. Explain that, like that is what you're doing, and then you could start your own channel called Ghost Amanda, or maybe <laughs> maybe that would be a little too infringing on his. You could be like Spirit Amanda or something like that, and then boom! Next thing you know, you're selling like noise filters and silver coins, and you're just you're just raking in the bucks. That Hell be- yeah! Yeah, I mean that's that's what this. I mean, that, what was uh, I just that, that's what makes me laugh so much is uh, I forget I forget exactly how it started. Oh no, I think I think it was like today or some. Yeah, it was today. Like I think like Mike Rothschild posted a thing where he was like, like four years ago, this information, this disinformation campaign began, and blah blah blah. And then he like, and then like Mike Rothschild plugged his book because that's what you do when you have a book out. And then, like, Jordan Sather was like, look at this guy plugging his disinformation book, this obvious grifter. And it's like, yo, Sather, you tell people to drink bleach. Like, fuck you. You can't call anybody a grifter yeah. when you're For years, active. I've been hearing Sather in person tell me to drink bleach. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so did you ever have any actual interactions with Sather at, at rallies? Or was he, or did he just, like, oh, go yeah. up on stage? Oh, dear, really? Yeah, he was at the VIP event in Dallas, and he got drunk. Uh, <laughs> so I was sitting with him. So um, the the Dallas QAnon John event, a guy came up to me and was like casually like flirting with me, um, as all the men at these events did, uh, despite the fact that I am the ugliest horse faced bitch woman alive. And um, trademark in the Matrix. Yes, and uh, <laughs> he. 
ended up being QAnon John's. Like, he's now the COO of, like, whatever fucking company QAnon John is running. But, like, he helped him organize the event. And, like, it wasn't bullshit because, like, he was hanging out with Amy the whole time and, like, QAnon John. And, like, it, so anyway, so Jordan Sather was hanging out with him. So hanging out with me, this guy, like, picked me up. And he was such a, he was trying to light a cigar, but he didn't know how. He didn't understand how to cut it. I've never even had a cigarette in my life, and I know you have to cut a cigar. Um, and then he was just asking people, including me, does anybody know how to contact Code Monkey? <laughs> no. I'm actually just a guest at this event, Jordan. I don't know how to contact Code Monkey. I paid five hundred dollars to be here. Or no, a thousand. I paid a thousand dollars to be at that event. I have no idea how to contact Code Monkey. I would have not paid a thousand dollars if I had those connections. Yes, if I if I had the pull to talk to Code Monkey, yeah. who I, nothing makes me laugh harder than the fact that Ron Watkins has done all of this shit, where he's like, "I'm not Q, I don't know what you're talking about," blah blah blah, and then once he committed to the Patriot Double Down in Vegas. QAnon John had a trailer video made where Ron Watkins was literally the headliner and Sather and every other bum just got thrown into like a group photo of headshots where it was like other speakers, but like Ron was like Morpheus in the matrix chair and they like poorly Photoshopped his head onto a body and all of this stuff. And it's just like, if I was, like, I mean, if I believed in, like, the, the kayfabe of QAnon, as I like to call it, I, I, if you don't know that term, it's from, like, professional wrestling, where you pretend that professional wrestling is real. But, like, kayfabe is basically, like, Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheik hate each other. They're not actually friends after they get behind the curtain. So, like, in the kayfabe of QAnon, Ron Watkins is not Q. You have to believe that in order to keep the lie alive in your brain. So when Ron Watkins, who's like, quote unquote, never been a part of QAnon and all this stuff and only showed up like after Biden won the election to go on OAN and talk about voting machines. When Ron Watkins is suddenly headlining the Patriot Double Down and like Sather and all these other guys who've been in the movement for like four years aren't headlining it. Wouldn't you be like, hey, wait a minute. Why is Ron Watkins this Johnny come lately? Why is he the headliner? And I'm not. Can you explain that to me? And then QAnon John has to walk up to you and be like, Bub, listen, shh, you know why. You know why Ron is the headliner. Just don't talk about it. We can't talk about it, but you know why. So just drop it. Just drop it. And I just, it just made me laugh my ass off. It was just so transparently obvious that, like, we all know why Ron's the headliner, but we can't say it because you can't talk about the man behind the curtain. You have to talk about the floating head in front of you that is the great and powerful Oz. Yeah. And, yeah. And that was just uh, that was just a real rib tickler. But unfortunately, you were not allowed at the Vegas double down. So you've probably. Well, I was not. And I will say I also I mean, I think that what you're saying is exactly why Flynn, uh, you know, went to Salt Lake City instead. Because um, Flynn is, you know, he's like a god at these events and he wouldn't be if Ron was there. But as soon as Ron was announced, I was very sad. Because QAnon John events are fun. There's like not, I mean, that's just it. Like people hang out, they get drinks, they get drunk, you know, like they have a good time. They talk about harp, they talk about the Jews, like whatever. They say all kinds of crazy shit. And it's wonderful. It's easy for me because now you're drunk and I am either sober or only slightly drunk, but you're a shit face. You're just blah, 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 blah. And the idea of having to 
to sit around Ron Watkins maybe just want to like drown myself. Um, just the most grating human. I can't imagine a worse and more annoying, less charismatic human to be around. Um, and so I was not happy I got banned from the event, but I also am pleased I did not have to hang out with Ron, not even for one minute. I was going to suggest that maybe Jim Watkins might be the more uncharismatic and terrible person to hang out with. But, I mean, Ron and him are very close. It's like one, two. I would it's the same person. Whatever. They're going <laughs> around. They're probably like this. You know, whatever. <laughs> All the same. But but we don't but I we don't have confirmation that Jim has something as creepy as the Ray Ayanami doll uh, just hanging out in his room, as it were. I mean, uh, for, knowing for those, about that about Ron is enough. I don't need to know similar things about Jim. Yeah, it's just fine. Yeah. Uh, for, for those of you who are engaging in the podcast section of our of our uh, conversation here, after I said the things about Ray Ayanami, Amanda's reaction was to nod her head no vigorously like eight times and then <laughs> finally steal herself to jump back into the conversation, which is why we had that awkward pause there for that moment. <laughs> Just me collecting myself. Yes. Uh, that has been one of Elle's uh, big... Uh, ideas not not for the campaign we haven't actually gone to uh, mr o'halloran about that but if uh, ron was his opponent in the general election we would ha- we would ask uh representative uh halloran to be like uh ron can you shine a black light on your ray ayanami doll we just oh we just want to see what's going on there just uh <laughs> just the american people deserve to know the truth about that doll ron <laughs> It's true. I mean, yeah, I think that's a good tactic, honestly, myself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very polarizing. <laughs> oh, no. Ron is swept in the Congress with the weeb vote. Oh, son of a, who knew Arizona's demographic? Arizona's demographic still did heavily weeb. And now we've just, we've just, now we've, un- we've opened Pandora's box. Damn it. No. Yeah, we just got to cut off Arizona if that happens. It's a yes. true now. Yeah, just, just, just much like Florida, I don't know that you could actually sink Arizona into the ocean but we can try we can just put sand yes we just weigh it down until it breaks off sorry california you're now going to be a peninsula but (laughs) sacrifices have to be made for the greater good yeah so uh do you have any other like particularly like interesting quote-unquote war stories i mean obviously uh there's like stuff that you're like going to be like working on to like be writing about down the line but uh was like because when you were like, yeah, they'll talk about the Jews. I mean, that's obviously an incredibly dark path. A lot of these people went down, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> and I mean, a lot of them. I'm, I'm not making excuses for anybody. There's obviously, to me, obviously, a difference between like a an outright fascist and a QAnon supporter, um, and a like blood and soil like Nazi. And, um, you know, with within the QAnon crowd, a lot of people will, I think, pick up on tropes and not really understand. They don't have a historical context for what they're saying or what they're consuming. And they don't they don't know. Um, it's not that they don't know better because they should know better. But they're, they're, they just don't, I don't think, realize. And I think if it was spelled out for some of these people, they would probably feel, you know, differently. Um. But yeah, it still happens. I mean, like, I'm also like, to be clear, I want to be extremely clear. I 
very rarely hung out with regular people. And if I did, I, I try to always make sure I preface stories by saying this was a regular person. Um, when I'm saying like I was at events at QAnon John's thing at bars, I'm talking about with the security team, with organizers of the events, with speakers. I'm not talking about the rank and file people. Um, so I can't really speak to like what they say and I don't want to make a blanket statement, but in terms of everybody else, I'm comfortable saying lots of anti-Semitism left and right. Yeah. (laughs) It it, it seems basically almost impossible not to traffic in that world, given the nature of the politics of the movement. I mean, um, QAnon is just the latest reskinning of the protocols of the elders of Zion. And, that I mean, we've had to reskin that like every 30, 40 years because after World War II, you couldn't say the Jews were the bad guys. So then it became the communists, then it became the globalists, then it became the Satanists, and now it's the communist, globalist, Satanists all lumped into one in QAnon. Yeah. And all of it really again is just code for the Jews. That's that's again that's what this all is in the end. And I I do think that like the vast majority of um QAnon uh believers probably wouldn't know that. I don't think a lot of people who follow this know what the protocols are they or don't. understand that like the, the like that literally the protocols is the foundation of the building they're living in. And and I don't think they would in a million years know that to be the case. This lets me segue into something I want to talk about a lot with everybody who will let me speak. Um, I can't speak. I mean, I wasn't regularly going to like QAnon shit beforehand, right? Like I went to that rally that was in DC. That's how I know Travis and Julian. Um, What was it? 2019, 30 years ago, it feels like at this point. Um, But something that has happened is that you go to these events and some of them are paid and some of them are free rallies. Some of them are $100. Some of them are $500. Some of them are $1,000. And it's fun. I mean, like, you're not wearing a mask. COVID doesn't exist. You're meeting people. You're hugging. You're sharing drinks. You're having a great time. You're having a normal life like everybody used to have. And I think that headspace that people um, were kind of thrown into where it's like maybe, I mean, I was super depressed. I was suicidal. Like I, it was, I lost my home, you know, I lost everything. And I went to these events and I'm like, this is incredibly dangerous for people to do because I'm pretty solid in my beliefs, but like, I, I can see how people would be pulled over. So if, you know, I'm super into QAnon and my friend Brenda's on the fence and pretty apolitical. And I say, Brenda, come to this rally. And then we go to the rally and then everyone goes to the bar afterwards. And we go to that one bar in the city that everybody knows, you know, they're kind of Republican. You don't have to wear a mask, like whatever. I see like how you, even if it's in the back of your mind, just kind of breezing by it, <laughs> you know, this, the, the racial components, the anti-Semitic components of it. And, um, just because it's nice to feel normal and you know, that's not so true now, but it was super true in February, March, April, you know? And I, I think it's, it's secondary for some people. The beliefs are secondary. The people that got recruited over the past, you know, year and a half. 
Yeah, and that sense of normality, I mean, it was so it, it's it's nectar, it's ambrosia, it's something that people were so desperate to have. And that is one of the reasons why QAnon got that big shot in the arm in 2020 fr- from COVID was that like the world was dealing with this event that no one in this generation had ever seen anything like it. You had lockdowns, everything was going crazy. Um, and people wanted fast answers. They wanted a reason and a justification for why they were dealing with this shit and QAnon gave it to them. And I mean, it's, uh, it was all, it's all lies. It's all nonsense, but people don't want to hear like people using science and stuff. Cause I mean, QAnon supporters to this day will be like, Hey, Fauci at the start said not to wear a mask. And he changed his mind and said, we had to wear masks. Cause obviously the masks didn't work, but they just wanted to put us on us to oppress us and make us show that we were compliant to them. And that's the thing is that to these people changing your mind and accepting data points as they come in is a, is a sign of weakness. They just want hard, fast answers that tell them what's going on and what's right and what's wrong and period. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, one like of my, yeah. One of my friends uh, who is very bad at poker, um, he would always talk to me and one of my friends who's good at poker about situations in hands. And if you know anything about poker, it's incredibly context-based. Like you're asking, we would be asking these questions of him all the time. Like, well, uh, what position were you in? What were the stack sizes? How many chips did everybody have? How many people raised in front of you? How many people were left to act behind you? Because everything, everything, everything is context. And he didn't want that. He just wanted hard and fast rules for everything. And it became an inside joke between me and my friend that knows how poker works to be like, hey, how do you play pocket sevens? And the answer to that question is like, I could talk for six hours about the how you play pocket sevens. But this guy just wanted a hard and fast rule on yeah. how do you do this? Tell me how to do it. And if you tell me, I'll believe you and I'll buy into it. And it's that mentality of just give me an answer. Give it to me now. I don't care if it's right or wrong. I just want to hear it. And that's what QAnon's really good at doing is just like – you're 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 stressed out. You're freaked out, like you. You like you've lost your job. Your, your unemployment's going to run out in a month. You don't know how to make ends meet. Everything's going crazy, and you're like, "Why is this happening?" And someone says, "The Chinese. They did it." And you're like, "Okay, great. Now I know what's going on. I can hate those people because they took my job away from me." And that's that's how this operates. It's just I'll just give I'll just give you what you want. I'll give you the peace of mind by letting you blame somebody for something. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, it's so much less scary, right? Like the Chinese are like, that's a group of humans that you can theoretically hold accountable for something. And then now they say remdesivir kills people. It floods the lungs. And that's what's making people drown in their own lung fluid. They say it's that it's not COVID. And it's in the lab leak theory. Like all of this comes from, we have to have exact answers to people we can hold accountable. Because if you say science and nature can be, you know, deadly and terrifying. And there's no rhyme or reason for it that the average person will ever understand that is so hard to grapple with. It's, it's horrifying because what is next? You can't, you can stop the Chinese, you can stop the doctors, but you can't stop nature. You just can't. And I, like I was raised evangelical and I see a lot of crossover in my childhood um, with QAnon, obviously, (laughs) 
Um, but in particular, I mean, you know, like it took a lot to get my dad vaccinated. A lot. My dad got vaccinated in August after I had breakthrough COVID. It took that. Like it took that. My sister being like, get the fucking shot or don't come to Thanksgiving at my house, you know? Um, and it's it's just, oh, well, God, you know, I rebuke the virus with Jesus. Because they're, again, like... At that point, now the virus is an enemy that is tangible in a way because it's Satan's, you know, Satan's doing it and you you have God to rebuke it. And it's the same concept. And it's it, it's it's exhausting. It's I mean, it's like why people are susceptible a lot of times to things like, oh, Sandy Hook was fake. Right. Because it's it hurts your brain <laughs> to, to think that someone could kill so many children and it's just easier to pretend it didn't happen. It's just easier. And I mean, that's not true for like an Alex Jones or like whoever, but for like rank and file normal people, like that's so much easier to believe. So, yeah. 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 Like uh, Julian's Rum, who's a big time QAnon promoter. I remember this was pre-COVID, but like, I, like there was like a mass shooting, like all of this crazy stuff happened in a week of time. And Julian made a post that he said, quote, if I hadn't found QAnon, this week would have been overwhelming. And that is so much about why this is seductive to people is what is what you were saying. Like people doing something nefarious or evil or the devil and God moving pieces on a chessboard makes a lot more sense and is a lot more uh, tolerable to people than thinking that a bat got near a pangolin and then the pangolin got the virus from the bat and then a human got the virus from a pangolin. And then, and now the whole world's infected with this shit, just like random weird stuff happening in nature is so freaky and chaotic. And just to think like, like, like all of this stuff doesn't happen if like that pangolin gets like run over or something, or if like, if that, if the reservoir animal doesn't like manage to get somewhere near humans, like the, the butterfly effect is so massive and boggles yeah. the mind that you, you can't even comprehend it. So you just kind of reject it. And you're like, no, this had to be a nefarious force. This had to be, like some evil entity doing the terrible thing because, because our minds want to balance the scale. A no. terrible evil a terrible evil thing requires a terrible evil actor. It's why like um it's like the Holocaust, worst terrible thing, but guess what? We have the Nazis. So that makes sense. But well, then- I don't know what the uh Venn diagram of a uh- COVID denier and Holocaust deniers look like, but um, but but I'm I'm just I'm saying it's, no, it's, I know, yeah, but but because of like no, there's like a, like it's like nine eleven. It's like you don't want to think that it was nineteen jamokes of box cutters who actually took down the World Trade Center and put a hole in the Pentagon. You want to think that it was the global cabal. Like the yeah. JFK assassination, you want you don't want it to be some dickhead making a minimum wage, pointing his ten dollar gun out a window and blowing away the president. You want it to be the CIA. You yeah. want a bigger, better, badder force behind the act of evil because that makes the world less chaotic and traumatic. You don't want like. You don't want Jamokes being able to pull off incredible feats of terrorism and violence because if they can do that, like your whole world is shattered. It's like, like, like Sandy Hook. You don't want to believe that some idiot can just walk into a school with a gun and kill all these kids. 
you want to believe like it, it, like either Alex Jones where it was fake or you want to believe that like literally some person from the government like activated this MK Ultra sleeper to go do the terrorism so you take your guns away from you. Yeah. Yeah. It's always got to be bigger, badder, better. That's that's where it's fun and exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, do you have any other kind of like uh, just thoughts, war stories, uh, parting comments to throw in here? Because I've taken up 45 minutes of your time at this point. So um, I don't know. Listen, this is so much pressure. <laughs> you got to oh, be no, oh, 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 ask oh. a more specific question. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Take your time. Take your time. I mean, my God, I, I am incredibly grateful that you're talking here. So uh, oh, whatever. So, so glad someone is listening. Um, I mean, I think something also that was interesting. So I will say, I, I something I noticed repeatedly was, um, I would hear things in person, and maybe a week or two see hints of it at Telegram, but like I, if you hadn't heard it in person you weren't going to draw, like I knew where shit was going. I'd see, and I'd be like, oh, I see, I know, I remember that speech. And then it'd be two more weeks, we'd see some stuff. And then like a month later, I'd see an article about it, right? Um, I have this, my own conspiracy theory, which is just like a comedian has like, you know, like they do like a test set. I think that a lot of times at these events, they were using us to gauge our reactions and see what pushback we gave, if any, um, before they would, you know, commit to publicly writing down um changes in theory like you know especially as we escalated to remdesivir being the number one killer of, of humanity um and i thought that was fascinating and i thought it was um it, it was also it's also overwhelming because they throw so much at you these events are very long um the q events are very long they're very exhausting and they're oh god they're so fucking miserable you know Ugh, it's all these dead kids it's all these raped children and it's just awful and like your brain checks out at some point, you know? And um, it's like, I, I would leave events and I wouldn't even remember what people talked about. And it's like, thank God I'm recording it because I literally couldn't tell you because my, I'm just overwhelmed. It's too much information. If it's too much for me, then it's like definitely too much for like the average person who's at these events. Not because I'm smarter than they are, but because like, I'm very well versed in it. And like, the people who are paying like $500 to go to this stuff, you might think that they're like experts, but they're not. They're just people who are like, I'm so bored. I love this guy's podcast. I love this person running for office, like whatever. I want to go do some fun shit. COVID sucks. And um, it's like going to like a music festival. Like, you know, like, you know, like the, you know, like three people at the festival, but you go even though there's 10 people playing, right? Like it's the same kind of thing. Um, so I know if I was getting confused and overwhelmed, than other people definitely were. And yeah, it was, it was very fascinating to watch that play out. Cause I don't think I've ever seen that before. You you were watching a comedian working on stuff for his next special. And he's just like sitting there throwing some stuff out. And then he's just like, oh, I'm going to have to tighten up that one. Okay. That one, that one's right out. Nope. Not going to use that one next time. Yep. Yeah, like I, I remember like, um, I forget who it was, but there was like one standup and he was talking about how like they threw some guy out because he was a big time comic and he just like showed up at the laugh shack or whatever, like totally out of nowhere. And he got up on stage. And he's like, Hey guys, guys, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do like 15, but this is all new material. Please don't get out your phones and record it. Cause I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying. I'm, this is, I'm workshopping here with you guys. Cause I'm an unannounced like comedian 
And maybe I'll tell some of my famous singers to make you happy at the end, but I'm just trying to do something. And like some asshole like immediately pulled out his iPhone and was just like holding it up. Like, and he, and, and, and he was just like, okay, get him out. And the guy was like, whatever, bro. And it's just like, it's just, it, it, and it's just really funny to think that like these guys are going to these conventions or rallies and they're just sort of like, I got a new angle on how ivermectin is going to save us all but I'm not exactly sure if they're going to buy it. So let me get up there and like, just see if I can do my little song and dance and talk about it. And then he, he like, suddenly he's seen a lot of heads nodding and people, and he's like, yes, yes. My new yeah. ivermectin spin is connecting. And then like a week later on telegram, he's like, ivermectin proven effective. And it's just like, yes, I got a winner here, baby. Uh, frontline doctors, I'm going to be getting my residual bonuses from those people when I sell, send my, my affiliate link to get people to get their prescriptions. Yeah. So at um, in Kentucky, at the Brad Barton event, the 9-11 memorial event, um, at the VIP event the, the night before the main conference, Dr. Brian Artis, chiropractor, was giving a speech about remdesivir you know, being responsible for killing everybody. And he said, how many people died in the Holocaust? And nobody answered. Which was, probably he'll never make that joke or ask the audience that question again. Like, it's not a joke. But like, you know what I mean? Like, it was such a weird, and like, nobody knew how to respond. I didn't know how to respond. Like, is this a trick question? Like, I is this like a Nick Fuentes cookie thing? I don't, what's happening? <laughs> if I say six million, do I get booed out of the building? Right. Do- do people zero? start pelling? Is zero to you? I don't know. Do people start hitting me with rotten fruit and vegetables? <laughs> and they're like, Shh, remove the heretic. Burn the heretic. And you're just like, no. I'm sorry. I thought the Holocaust was real. Oh, no. Like, it's very confusing what crowd you're in. But right. lo and behold, two weeks later, Brad Barton posted a telegram that the Holocaust or the um, Holocaust was happening again and that the hospitals were the modern day gas chambers. Because. <laughs> They, they shopped it, you know, it no longer was like, it's no longer like a back and forth. It's like a direct, you know, the Holocaust happened. So we're just going to say it's the same as the Holocaust. And it's, you know, this, this trickling down effect. And I would see influencers and media who I like was Facebook friends with and, you know, like texted with and they would, you know, I, I don't think that anybody knows them outside of the sphere that I was in, but they, you know, they did the circuit, they go to all the events and I, it's hard to see what their followings are like because everything is so fractured and spread across. I mean, you know, even Matrix only has 24,000 Telegram subscribers. And I have 32,000 followers on Twitter, Jeff. So if you're listening, just remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, J- yeah, Jeff, how you like them apples? Well, uh, right, we've uh, been in a battle for days. <laughs> <laughs> it, what, what makes what makes me laugh so much was when Sather was when Sather just dripping with jealousy was complaining about 107, 107 having an Austin Martin, and it's just like, oh my god, Jordan just thinks that it's his birthright to have that beautiful car, and it's been denied him by this cruel grifting huckster, and it's just it, it just it's just so hilarious. Like I mean, so like, funny. Like I, I don't I don't sit around like spending my time on Twitter being like, here's something terrible Major Patriot said and God damn you Travis View for having a nice house. That should have been me. 
I right? took it on. It's like, it's like, calm down, dude. Like, it's, it's, I mean, it's insanity. And I'm, I really need my Twitter account back just so I can point out to Jeff that I have more followers than he has. Um, <laughs> because I think it really bugs these people in a way that I just don't understand. <laughs> like, I literally cannot relate to this. Um, and I guess it's because maybe part of it's because they've been like so like deplatform, deplatform, deplatform. I mean, you know, maybe Jordan's like, if I could just have Twitter again, <laughs> you know, I could be Mike Rothschild selling all of my books. Who knows? You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that's absolutely something that's a part of it is that they just see people. Ha- I mean, they just see people having more success in the field, and to me, it's just. It kind of shows how just like empty QAnon really is because to me, I like, I have my little, I have my little hidey hole. I have my Twitter feed. I do my podcast. I'm living my life. Would I like things to be bigger, brighter, better? Obviously everybody does, but I'm not like sitting around every day, like comparing my follower count to like bigger QAnon debunking accounts. And also like, when I, there are people like like you, uh, like Sarah Hightower, like just people that uh, just do so much work and are so just immersed in this stuff, and I and I see what they've done, and I'm just like, God damn, they're like just just doing way more than me. I'm I'm just sitting here like trying to piece this stuff together on social media as best I can, and just kind of dunking on these clowns because. Like to me, all I am is just like this bright. I, all I want to be is like this bright warning light saying, "Do not go into QAnon." These people are trying to take your money. They're trying to ruin your life. They're trying to damage you as a person. And I understand that I am, but like that, that I'm just guarding one door on a building that has like four sides and like three doors on each side. And people are getting into that building, all these other things. But I'm like, this is my door and I'm not letting you through. Go some other way to get in. And that's it. And I'm just, I'm, I'm content. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm the happy little clam doing what work I can for that. And I don't, I don't, I don't worry myself about somebody else having an Austin Martin. I don't worry myself about someone having this giant follower account. I just want to, I just want to do what little I can because uh, we had we had talked before um, about how you've done all this work in the field and stuff like that, and you've you've told people touch grass, which means like get engaged, be on the ground, be in meat space, actually engaging and doing stuff like that, and that is a motto that I find to be incredible and very uh, thoughtful. And my motto is just got to keep pushing that rock up that hill. I mean, that's just me. I just, that's the way I feel. It's like, Hey, if we're all just Sisyphus and we're all just doing our thing, just do it. Just do it anyways. Just, just push the rock up the hill. See what happens. Maybe we get the hill. Maybe we get the rock all the way up there. Probably won't, but this is our job. Let's, let's, let's try it. Let's just see how it works out. Yeah, I mean, people have messaged me to tell me that, like, I mean, because, you know, when I was actually on the ground reporting stuff, I only had, like, 3,400 followers. And it's really, you know, I've gotten a lot of pushback from people, and it's incredibly hypocritical to me that people are giving me pushback. Because for a year, I was regularly tweeting, and, like, I was being retweeted by large accounts, like Travis, like Mike. (laughs) And, um... 
I'm so sad I didn't know you during this time. It, it like literally like a week before you got docs. Like, I was, <laughs> like I, right as I got docs, yeah, and I, I couldn't help you at all because I was docs, right? Because like, like someone know. was like, these these people are meddling in school board elections. What do I do? And then I talked to somebody, and they're like, go find Frank the Turtle. They know a lot of stuff about this. And I was like, sounds good. And I was like, hey, Frank the Turtle, I'm a moron that needs help. And then you're like, I'm doxxed. I really can't help you. And I'm like, that sucks. Oh, well. And then I, and then I just... No, I still do know a lot about school elections um, yeah. and city council. So yeah. I, I do have this information. But yeah, you know, it's just like, I think a lot of it, not on like, a, I don't, I don't mean this on like a research to researcher level at all, but like on a, a engaged, like, person who's like interested in following this stuff but isn't really doing the work themselves the i mean the the, the entire target audience you know like um like it was a conscious choice you know to not to not care when i was reporting on the ground like it was basically you know and it was a conscious choice to care when i revealed my face and that's like um it's very frustrating for me but people have reached out to let me know that people who have followed me for a long time a few of them have said that the fact that I was always reporting stuff before it was, you know, being posted about because again, no reporters were at these events, um, help them keep family members out of queue. And like, isn't that what matters? <laughs> like I, who, who gives a fuck? Like who gives a fuck about the rest of it? Like I am here. Like, yeah, of course I want to write a book. I spent a year of my fucking life doing this. Like nobody else, you know, like is going to be able to like take that story. But I, what matters is like if I can convince people or if I did convince people, you know, that Q was wrong about something or that, you know, far right populism sounds good, but really isn't good uh, for most people. Um, that's, you know, that's, I think that is what matters. And to get upset about a follower account or who has what car, like, okay. You know, like I get that it's frustrating not to be recognized for your work, but Okay. The work, the work is the good. That's what it comes down to. The work is what matters. I, I, um, I'd been told by five people that I got them out of QAnon. My dumb shit on Twitter helped them see the light, and that meant the world to me. And uh, I, I think it was Will Summer, but Will Summer told me that like someone talked to him and said that it was me that helped that person get out, and. I mean, that I was like, God, yes, thank God. Like, yeah. And it's like, that's, that's what matters. That is truly what matters is that this, this thing is this, the, the QAnon is just so devastating and damaging to people that knowing that anyone was able to find light through anything I've done when I think it's so hard to get out because you have, you have to make that decision. And and that's what that, I mean, I, whenever, when people tell me they're like, my mom got into it, my dad got into it, my kid got into it, my wife or husband got into it. They're like, how do I get them out? And I'm like, I would that I could tell you, but my, all I ever tell them is I'm like, look, the only thing you can possibly do is that tell them that you'll still, t- if you're willing to do it, if your mental health is strong enough, you tell them that when you're ready to leave or when you have doubts about this shit, I'll talk to you. No conditions. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to do anything. I just want to have you back in my life and let's just do this. Let's, let's go to Denny's like we did back in the day. We'll get some omelets and we'll just, we'll just hash it out and it'll all be great. And that to me is like, and, and, and that's an incredibly frustrating answer for these people because they, they want that magic solution. They want that payoff. And, the payoff is really just learning the lesson that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can show them 
all the failed predictions that Q has made. You can show them all the things Q's fucked up on royally. And it's it's almost assuredly not going to do anything. It's almost assuredly just going to bounce right off that bubble they're living in and be totally worthless, totally ineffective. And really, like, um, it, it comes down to something inside them. I remember someone saying that, like, Q posted something about, like, computer coding and stuff like that, and they knew Q was wrong about it. And they were just like, no, this guy's bullshitting me. Like, no, that's not true. And and that was what flipped the switch for them, was just seeing that Q was bullshitting about something they had personal experience in. Yeah. And that's just a that's just a thing that you or I or anyone from, from the outside, we couldn't hit that person with that. That person mm-hmm. had to make that conscious decision on their own. And that's that's where the change comes from, like, 98% of the time. It's the, the internal stimulus reaction to something, like – like the 98th failed prophecy from Q is finally the one where you're like, that's it. I can't take this anymore, but I can't be the one being like, Q failed 98 times, bro. When are you going to wake up? And you're like, I'm holding out for 99. Shut up. Live hard. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So. I mean, that's why like, you know, matrix keeps pushing his followers to my Twitter and it's like, great. I love it. Do it more because the best I can do is you know, some of these people met me <laughs> without a doubt. People that watch his show absolutely met me. I mean, people that met me snitched to him about who I am. And like, you know, you told me that I remind you of your daughter doesn't talk to you anymore because of this. You, you know, like I hope that that connection that I had with people, like it wasn't meant to dupe rank and file people. And you know, like when he, when he did it the other night, I posted, don't let Jeff do this to your kids and linked to a thread about a woman whose, whose dad died because her brother believed that they're killing people in the hospitals and saying it's COVID. And you know, I, it's just, you never know what's going to click with people. You never know what's going to hit. And I mean, my father is like this and he has been my entire life. And if I had an answer for it, my life would have been easier, <laughs> but I would I would be rich because I would you know, I would be doing a huge speaking circuit for many years now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know it's it's so hard. It's it's hard to to pull people out, and you don't you don't ever know. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, man, this is an incredibly optimistic uh, way to round out an hour of conversation. But, I mean, this is kind of the nature of QAnon, is that it is kind of a... That's what I said earlier about how QAnon lures you in with hope and then your life becomes something of just basically despair. Like, it's what you just said about uh, Jeff being ostracized from his children. Like, uh, Well, no, no, not Jeff, to be clear. I don't... In the Matrix is not actually after my children that I know of, but like oh, random yeah. old women would always come up to me. And I mean, you know, yeah, tell me literally every event I went to. Yeah. Oh, God. Absolutely. I was going to say, well, from them, but I mean, like Martin Geddes, he's been ostracized from his children. He just made a very long, ranty post on whatever forum will have him about how, like, uh, the dum-dums who've taken this vaccine are going to suffer for it. And it hurts when your family does it and all this stuff. And it's, and he's had a very public feud with the woman who runs uh, the school his daughter is in where um, they, I guess they like approve vaccinations or whatever. And he couldn't get his daughter to not take it. And it's just, I mean, it's just like, so, uh, 
miserable and he's just like so upset that like that his that his wife and his kids won't listen to him about the clot shot and how devastating it is and yeah. it's just and the, it, it makes me laugh so much because it's like if this thing was going to cause a blood clot in so many people why hesitate they call it I mean, birth control they call it birth control yeah because birth control causes more blood clots than the fucking covid vaccine Oh, absolutely. Oh, Famously, absolutely. we don't care about. Oh, God. Oh, oh. I mean, hey, uh, why would I care about women having blood clots? Uh, because uh, birth control is what allows me to enjoy sex more, which is all a man cares about and is super important to me, a man. So if women have to risk blood clots for my sexual pleasures, so be it. But this COVID COVID shot that I might have to take that has far less of a chance of causing a blood clot Oh no, bueno for me. Oh no, too much oh, risk. Too much, way too much risk. No way, too much risk. Woman, <laughs> sacrifice your health and your life for the glory of my peen, whereas I myself will not uh, risk uh, contract. I, I would rather risk uh, contracting and transmitting a deadly virus than take a shot because it it might give me. I might have a point oh 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 three percent chance of getting a blood clot. That's that's really typical strong male logic. I absolutely see that. That makes <laughs> a ton of sense to me. I didn't even know that stat because I'm a worthless blind spotted male. That is super awesome. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean. But I mean, you know, like this is the other thing I did with Matrix where I like pointed out when we were at, um, him and I were at the same event. Um, I know you're trying to wrap it up. Sorry, I just will never shut up. Oh, we're God, don't, no, well, we're, we're going two hours at this point. We're, you're, 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 you're big time. We're going to sizzle, baby. <laughs> <This is great. laughs> don't so worry. I, we might, or Jeff and I were at the same event, and it was in St. Louis. It was in an abandoned mall, and I said it had no air conditioning, which wasn't true. It had light puffs of air conditioning in one section of the food court where the event was. So... MAGA Twitter got all over me for exaggerating, but it basically had no air conditioning. It was so hot. I was sweating the whole time. I actually had to go to the Cabela's next door and buy like that thing you can make wet around your <laughs> Because the, Cabela- I- the Cabela's wasn't abandoned. It was like separate from the mall. Um, and everybody got COVID. So I had breakthrough COVID in July. I, ha- I was vaccinated with Moderna in February before CPAC. I, ha- I had COVID in March, 2020. Then I was vaccinated with Moderna before CPAC in February, 2021. And then I had breakthrough COVID at the end of July, 2021. And um, so by the time this event in St. Louis happened, which was like August, around August 24th, I was, I was good to go. I'm like, I'm an immune God. I can do whatever I want. I can lick COVID. Doesn't matter. Cause I have the one, two punch. Turns out that was uh, a good prediction because everybody got it. Everybody was so sick. I'm Facebook friends with all of these like media people, speakers. My Facebook feed was just everybody like Ivermectin works. Feel great. A week later, they would be like, I still have the chills. I'm still so sick. I'm taking extra Ivermectin. And it's like, um, okay. You have all these posts about how miserable you feel. When I had breakthrough COVID, I lost my sense of taste. My sense of taste was wonky. It was gone. And then it was wonky. And like hot coffee tasted like vomit for two weeks. So I could only drink cold brewed coffee. And like for a week, I could only taste like very sour or olives. So like sour and briny. And I was like, 
working out, like lifting, my arm was broken. So I was like lifting weights, like with one arm, I'm like running up and down the steps is a cardio. I shared drinks. Like I was drinking a drink at a bar with my friend and she was drinking the same out of the switching cups. She didn't get it. My arm was broken. I was staying with my mommy who was like having to like cut my steak for me, you know, like make my bed for me, like very close contact. She didn't get it. Her like unvaccinated boyfriend didn't get it. Nobody fucking got it from me. And these assholes are all sick and giving it to each other. And so when in the matrix was driving all those viewers to me, I posted one of the screenshots from Facebook during that time period. And I said, Jeff, look how sick your friends were. Why, why do you want this for people? You know, like it's so easy to not have this problem. It's there's a free and easily available vaccine at every corner in America. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, Jeff isn't one to truck in reality, seeing as how uh, he uh, famously proclaimed on his show that when we got to the bottom of the 2020 election, Trump was going to be declared the winner of California. Not just the election, but California, which is one of my favorite things about QAnon is this belief that they are both this incredibly persecuted small minority of Americans trying to wake up the rest of us, but they are also just the very bleeding tip of the spear of this vanguard of Americans who want freedom and that secretly everybody loves Donald Trump and voted for him. Yes, very close to evangelical Christianity. We're always being persecuted. We're always at risk of having everything taken away from us. But when push comes to shove, we're always going to be successful and win because we'll be able to convert people. We'll be able to teach our neighbors. And then eventually Jesus will come and, you know, kill off all the bad people. It's, it's very, yeah, it's a very strong parallel to the um, delusional shit I grew up with. Yep. Just biblical end times Christianity stuff. Just like, like when, literal, yeah. I mean, we are literal interpretation people. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, this like uh, this like this is like pre-trib, mid-trib, late-trib kind of like arguments and debates about that, which is something I've always laughed about when it comes to QAnon because if like you believe in the Bible and all of this stuff, then. Sorry, you have to believe in revelations. You have to believe in the rise of the Antichrist. You have to believe in like all of these various steps happening before the second coming occurs and Jesus kicks everybody's ass. They're happening. The mark of the beast is here. The Antichrist is here. It's probably Obama or, you know, somebody like him. Somebody, I mean, you know, and yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all coming to a head right now. As, as, as the QAnon shaman screamed at me as we walked to the Capitol together, it is all coming to a crescendo here and now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. It is this moment together. Oh, if if there was ever anyone in this world that I wanted to share uh, the the biblical end times with, it would have been the QAnon shaman. And, and his, he was and his, so annoying that I left him and marched with the Groypers instead because they were less <laughs> annoying. Oh, but I mean, just think about the, I mean, while you probably would have received several felony charges, you would have got a lot of camera time to go with him. I mean, because I mean, the, the, the cameras couldn't miss his glistening abs. I mean, they had to, they had to photograph that guy every step of his march he's through the Capitol. so loud. I was one of those people photographing every step of the way. He's so <laughs> loud. I understand we still, I see somebody, um. I would drop their handle, but I don't know if they want that, so I won't. Um, but they did message me. They were like, did you want pictures of you on, like, the body cams and shit from J6? And I'm like, yes. And they said, <laughs> like, but none of them are me when I'm close to close to the QAnon shaman, unfortunately, which would have really given me some street cred, I feel like. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if only you had stood in the well of the Senate. So. With him? <laughs> Yeah, while he's in now. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, in that in that moment, he would have been the emperor of America, and you would have been his royal consort. I mean, it would have. I think those are the rules. I think that's how this works. Sounds right. Why not? Yeah, I will say he's very friendly. He um, is definitely full of himself, but he, you know, he's always taking pictures with Taurus, or he was probably not anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably his uh, probably things have changed. His status has changed a little bit, as it were. But I, think uh, so. yeah. I do yeah. hear he's an FBI Antifa plant now. So, oh, Very he was an FBI Antifa plant the moment he stood in the well of the Senate. They had photos of him hanging out with Austin Steinbart. They who uh, they all who all of quote unquote serious QAnon really hate. Did you ever deal with Steinbart? No, I didn't. But I will tell you when I was at CPAC. Um. Mm-hmm. I was at the bar and we were talking about how we were all at J6 and they were saying, Oh, it was a lot of like bad actors, like fake people, not Trump people. And I was like, well, not the QAnon shaman. I was like, I've met Jake many times. Yeah. And they were like, Oh yeah, no, he's legit. But these weren't QAnon people. These were like, (laughs) you know, like Maya people. Right. Um, And it was very, it's been, it's been very fascinating to to track how things have changed, but yeah, sorry. I no, I never met Austin. Ah. That's he. Uh, uh, you were uh, um, uh, this. Uh, this was that was about to come out of my mouth really rudely and condescendingly. I, and I don't exactly know what your timeline for when Frank the Turtle was like first appearing on the internet. But when when Austin first uh, came onto the scene, he sent me. I I I, I know he sent me Frederick Brennan and uh, Mike Rothschild a bunch of photographs of like him in like a, uh, a room with a bunch of servers and him like in these like, like quote unquote, like military areas. And he was trying to like show like us QAnon debunkers that like he was the real deal that like, he was like legitimate on some level. And I thought it was so weird that he was doing that. And uh, I remember like, 
at one point when he was actually like kind of like had completed his like uh Pokemon evolution to the grifter level that he was at, where he was doing the whole time traveling shit where I'm Q in the future, sending messages back to me in the past and burgle burgle. Like at one point I sent him a message and I'm like, yo, bro, this is totally off the record. I will not tell anyone this, but just tell me like like how do you work your grift? Like, do you map things out? Are you working things? Like, do you market test your hustle? Like, like, how did you get to the point where you're doing the time travel thing? I just want to know, like, how does your mind work? How does this all tick together? And I mean, I was obviously going to post everything he sent to me, but like, I just wanted to have kind of like, I wanted to be like, hey, bro, I'm a grifter just like you. Let's have like a grifter tete-a-tete where we like share information about how we're hustling the rubes to make a few shekels. And I just wanted to see like if he would say anything and he never talked to me, which was very unfortunate because I, I wanted to see if he would like just drop his guard and be like, Hey man, this is what I'm doing. This is my hustle, bro. <laughs> and, and, it, and it just feels like that was like that. That feels like what happened with you at, 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 the, at these bars where you were getting these guys, where these guys were getting themselves drunk and stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it took um, nine minutes and 42 seconds for QAnon John COO to offer me a free vaccine card. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I saw you post that on the, the Intertrons and uh, boy, were there people that came out of the woodwork say it's blank. That's not a crime. Anyone can print that out. You've got nothing, lady. Except he got it from his job, which he owns the business, which had a contract with FEMA to administer vaccinations in the state of New Jersey. And it's legit. I've pulled everything. I pulled it within a, a day of him giving it to me. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. That's the other thing too, is people seem to think I'm an incredibly stupid person, but I'm not. I have like Excel spreadsheets that have so much data on all these people. And obviously I couldn't give up that information without completely outing myself, but now I can. And the journalist who I've been working with knows this. He knew who he was from day one. I told him everything. Like this is all orchestrated and all planned out. Yes. Like I, but yeah, they, you know, they just can't, they cannot control themselves. They literally cannot. Are you saying that we should trust the plan? You should trust the plan. I have a plan. That plan is that I really need an editor to get back to me immediately. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, we got to publish. Someone needs someone needs to pay me because I'm famously a grifter and I'm very bad at it because I'm down twenty grand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, hey, once you once you get that book made, you'll just plug it all the time, just like that grifter Mike Rothschild, and you'll have the Austin Martin, and life's just going to be a better rose. It's going to be incredible. It's, it's so so. I've like known my before I was doing this because I, you know, like I mean, I I knew Jillian and Travis because we were at the same QAnon rally in 2019. Like, obviously, this has consumed a lot of my world, and I'm sad that my old Twitter account got deleted because they would have seen more engagement between me and all of their most hated grifters. <laughs> like going back. And I mean the left and the right. I mean both the left and the right. This is a very universal. <laughs> Right, right, right. Um, no, no. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's weird. You shouldn't be um, you shouldn't be able to write about it. And then people are really also mad that I have a Patreon, which is crazy because my Patreon is mostly mostly me saying I'm really sorry I can't post much here without outing myself, but I'm gonna do a giveaway if you follow me now of all of the shit that I accumulate over <laughs> these months because I have like QAnon John T-shirts, I have like Matrix bracelets. I have um, Joe M bracelets. I've got mugs. I've got this weird poster of Trump that is like 
I, I don't even know how to describe it. I have so much shit. I have books. I have the, um, the Patrick Byrne book. I've got Clay Clark's book. I've got Clay Clark t-shirts, the boom. Like I, Oh my God. I have so much junk. I have the, um, the alpaca, the, the project Veritas alpaca. Oh man, that is a, is, is, is it signed by O'Keefe? Is, no, it's not, but he wore a bulletproof uh, vest the entire day. Um, I do have a JT Wild CD that is signed, but that's for me. Oh, hey, you can't give, you can't give up your, you can't give up the, the premium stuff. You can't give up the big stuff. I mean, but it says, it says, thanks for fighting. And what does it say? It says, it says, thank you for fighting. It, whatever it looks like fucking and it's super weird <laughs> it's, just, it's too much <laughs> like, i had to read it like six times to understand what i was looking at um yeah i'm trying to think like i've also like done a lot i've sat in a lot of stuff where people talk about the um you know basically overthrowing of the government at the local level um so you didn't ask me this. I don't care because you said it's up to two hours now. We're only at 120. Um, Lynn Wood was kind of like pressured to run by a series of people pressured, um, including Presley Stutz. Now, Presley Stutz is former Tea Party. And he was the chairman of the South Carolina, um, the Greenville, South Carolina GOP. And. The reason that was able to happen, and I'm like a little hazy on this because it's been a while since I've looked at it, because he's dead. So <laughs> it's not a problem anymore. Um, he like basically like he helped orchestrate a targeted harassment and bullying campaign against the woman who had won the position within the GOP and um, harassed her and her kids every day until she quit. She said, fuck it. It's not worth it. You know, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then he was the head of it and he was like teaching us you know, how to um, do that ourselves at our local level and how we could have basically a full QAnon takeover of the Republican Party. Um, and I've seen I've seen so much of that, um, even more. Like, Presley Sets is not a name that I see people talk about in not just mainstream media, but, like, really any of this world at all. Oh, I have no idea who he is. This is incredibly well, interesting to me. He got oh. COVID at an event that I was at, and I didn't get it because I'm vaccinated. And he was not vaccinated, so he died. Very sad. Uh, did did he did he like Robert Steele uh, claim that he was he didn't have COVID and that was not what was killing him before he died? He denied it until his dying breath, and then after he died, his son continued to say um, it was a murder. And now Brad Barton at that. September 11th extravaganza in Kentucky got on stage and said they murdered my friend Presley Stutz in the hospital. Oh, the, the whole Alex Jones, or they put you on the ventilator and blow your lungs out bullshit. No, remdesivir. Oh. Remdesivir. Oh, remdesivir. Yeah. Floods your lungs. It, uh, remdesivir keeps your kidneys from being able to function, they say, and then they give you a saline solution and the, your kidneys can't process a saline solution. And so it goes to your lungs and then it drowns you in your lungs. And uh, the reason that we use remdesivir, they say, inaccurately, <laughs> is because Fauci is the orchestrator of the Holocaust. And he knew remdesivir in prior studies killed 41% of patients that had it. Way more than 41% of patients would have died, you know, uh, without 
any treatment. So it, it, it improved the number of living people. Doesn't matter. They say that it's Fauci's Holocaust. And so it's from severe. I'm sure in a couple of months, it'll be something else. And retroactively, all those deaths will change to be whatever fits the new narrative. It doesn't matter. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's like how uh, originally Antifa was behind the 1-6 riots and then it became the FBI. And the villain just changes based on whatever evidence we can find at any given moment. And because... Uh, because there was this the thing about how if you um, if if a hospital got somebody with COVID they got X amount of money and if oh they yeah put Jones them on, loves that yeah and if they put them on a ventilator they got Y amount of money so yeah. like you, you walk into a hospital with a sprained ankle and they just like they just trap you down put you on a ventilator and kill you and then just collect that that them ducats and it's just and I mean the 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 Redesivir thing. That just, I, I understand it from the mentality that it makes it even more evil because on some level, like your your lizard brain couldn't understand people killing people for money, like using the ventilator to murder people because the government just cuts you a check for it. But the remdesivir, it just sounds like they're just like Satanists getting off on killing people. And that's one of the things about QAnon is that Everyone has to be even more evil and more monstrous than you could have ever imagined. Uh, I, I mean, when when Epstein finally got arrested and QAnon was like celebrating Epstein's arrest, I mean, Epstein is a child sex trafficker. He's a rapist. He's probably he probably abused those children more than just sexually. I mean, the the litany of monstrous crimes Epstein had committed is beyond imagining. But that wasn't good enough for QAnon. Epstein also had to be a Satanist who was sacrificing children in his dark temple. And well, you know, it's it's his fault for having the last name Epstein. He got yes. his name. Yeah, yes, absolutely. But I mean, it's just it's like seriously, guys, like Epstein's a bad enough monster. We don't have to add the satanic murderer to it. And they're like, nope, gotta do it. Gotta add the satanic murder on top of it because that Otherwise, I mean, they're like, they're like an addict that has built up a resistance and a tolerance to the drug that they don't even feel anything when a guy gets arrested for running an international child sex trafficking ring. They're Which like, is their eh. thing. It's their whole thing. Right. That, yeah, that's, yes. That's, that's all they're about. But they're like, yeah. They're like, yeah, international sex tra- child sex trafficking ring. That's great. Is Satan involved? Does he murder the kids for adrenochrome? Because if he does that, then then I'll get out of bed for it. Then I'll be willing to pay attention to it. But yeah. un- un- until I hear about the adrenochrome, I- I'm I'm not that interested. I'm not in. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. And it's ju- and it's just like it's like come on, guys. Like really, like can't the world just be bleak and miserable enough without you having to invent even bigger and more horrifying nightmares on top of it? I mean, seriously. We can't even have a ship stuck in a canal. Nope. Yep. We can't oh. even have this funny. It was universally funny. Yeah. We exactly. can't have that. You know, this bitch, I was at a Roger Stone Proud Boys event in April, and this woman is like, the Evergiven is full of dead kids. They're panicking because their adrenochrome is going to run out. It's only good for so long. And also, did you see the way it tried to get out? It drew a dick in balls, and that is a sign. Oh, God. Everything's a sign. Oh, God, is everything a sign. 
It's so funny. A ship is stuck in a canal. It's objectively hilarious. Why? Why are you ruining something funny? Don't understand. Oh, because because they're miserable. Because they're miserable, and they and and, and, and they're miserable, and we can't have nice things. I mean, that's just what this comes down to. Like they're just fascists. Like are like racist pieces of shit, and then they're normal. Sometimes you're like, hey, did you see that movie? Or then they like make jokes that are funny about Nancy Pelosi because she does suck, and like. It's not like that with the QAnon people. They can't turn off. They just never stop. Everything is. If you try to talk about Nancy Pelosi, all of a sudden there's a conspiracy theory. If you try to talk about the new Marvel movie, they'll tell you 30 conspiracy theories about it. It's like, oh my God, just be normal. Just be cool. Just, just chill out. Chill out. Oh, no. no it, it, just, it, it just, it becomes, it becomes your world. It becomes your world and there's no escaping it. There, you can None. never get away from it. I mean, it's just, it's just everything. It's just everything. And it's always there. And, 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 and it, it, it's because the QAnon and the conspiracy, the conspiracy theories like it are so participatory and you just have to be stuck uh, like just believing in it and you, and you have to be looking for more things to prove the theory, more things to prove that you've found something. And on top of it being participatory for you and being engaging and exciting, if you're able to like uncover like the secret satanic wink and nod in the latest Marvel movie, and you post it to social media before anybody else does, you get a lot of shout outs. You'll get a lot of engagement. You'll get a lot of reposts back when this stuff was in its heyday. You could have, you could have got cued. You could have got trumps. You could be the bell of the ball. You could, yeah. be, you could be the prettiest girl. And, and that, and that was just something that was like so motivating and so incentivizing that you're just perpetually on, you're just permanently engaged in all that stuff. Yeah. So uh, you you uh, you brought up being at the Roger Stone Proud Boy meeting. Uh, how uh, accessible was old Roger? For me? Yeah, for you. Okay. Yeah. Even though, <laughs> I mean, like, he, he was an okay level of accessible? For me, I don't know that the average person that attends these events. I mean, Bobby Pickles, like, they were, like, trying to get me to go on Bobby. Notorious Proud Boy Bobby Pickles. They were like, oh, his boat has space available if you want to go on it tomorrow. But I was flying home at 7 a.m. And I'm like texting the journalist I'm working with. And I'm like, do I go on Bobby Pickles' boat? And he was like, no, you go to fuck home. <laughs> I was like, I think I could go on the boat, though. I'm pretty sure I could definitely go on the boat. Because it was Trumparilla, where they have like a Trump boat parade. Uh, and I was at a Roger Stone fundraiser the night before. So Trumparilla is organized by Dan Cini. And one of the few things I, I like a lot of press knew what I was doing. A shit ton of press. Um, so many people know what I was doing. <laughs> like the main journalist I'm working with is like, why do so many people know? And even like, because I don't have a fucking salary. Like, I don't have time to say, if you've talked about this person, I need you to tell me everything right now. <laughs> like, um, my, my OPSEC is terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. No, I will say my OPSEC was not terrible. I was previously doxxed, and that's how I got doxxed again. They found the old docs. But, like, uh-huh. the people that knew, it was, like, it was like QAA and, like, Mike and, like, Jared and Will. Alex knew, like, you know, like, the Tom McKay knew, like, people that, like, reasonably, I think everybody in this sphere, like, trusts. Um, <laughs> I, I feel left out now. Why didn't I know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, 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 no, no, no. 
many of them I had my, like a lot of engagement with before. I mean, like, like, like I said, like also a lot of them live here. Yeah, no. So like I've seen them before. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just joking now. I'm just thinking to myself that this is now my Austin Martin. This is now my thing that I don't have. Why don't like, people tell why, me? Why didn't I know about Frank the Turtle? I've been betrayed. I thought I was big time. <laughs> I, I, I'm clearly not one of the cool kids. That's that's going to be like the uh, the entire caption for this podcast is going to be. I thought I was a cool kid, but then Amanda told me I wasn't. It's well, you know what's be- funny? If anybody really wanted to dox me, I was on a QAA live stream where we talked about how I had met them at the rally. If they yeah. would, if anybody who really wanted to dox me and listened to the rally episode of QAA, the podcast episode. Yeah. They see my name and my Twitter handle. Oh God, that's. Hilarious. I mean, like, but no one ever. And I knew no one ever would. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, this is this is too much work. It's much easier to find my previous docs. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like way easier to do. Um, but <laughs> that reminded me. That reminded me. Like, uh, I was. I. I uh, it was. I think it was after. It was after the last HBO. Uh, the, basically the big reveal of Ron Watkins being Q in the HBO documentary series. <laughs> like, like, like we, uh, Abby Richards had, had asked me if I wanted to like do like a live stream with her or to like just call into a live stream. Cause that was like before, I don't know if I had shown my face to anybody at that before that point, but so I was like, Oh sure. I'll definitely do that. And then like the whole thing about Ron, like kind of breaking under Colin's question and admitting to being Q and all that kind of stuff happened. So she had this like live stream and there was like maybe like 30 people that attended it and we just had a blast. And after it was over, like some like dude was like, Hey man, like your, your name was on that stream and I, I saw your phone number and, and like, you, you, you better like tighten things up or you're going to be in some trouble. And it was like, uh, 30 people were there, dude. I don't have to worry about it. And I'm like, Oh, and he's like, I'm like, don't worry, man. I'll change my phone number. It'll be all good. And then, like, the guy was like messaging me for like weeks after that, being like, about, "Like, did you change your number yet? Are, are you safe? Have you taken care of it?" And I was like, uh, "Guy, buddy, thirty people. Like, calm down. We're, I'm just good. be normal. Good. Just be just, cool." Though, I yeah. will say, I mean, QAA is like obviously a fair amount of people listen to their podcast. I would never have gone on their podcast because it's way too many people. But the live streams I did do, the last one, I, they had to take it down because. Somebody sent it to me and said, this is you. <laughs> well, like, at that point, my docs was already out. If my docs hadn't been out, that connection would never have been drawn. Like, they obviously searched on Twitter and saw that, like, QA had tweeted that I was on their thing and then listened to it. And I have a very distinct manner of speaking. So, but, like, not a, nobody was listening. Like, you know what I mean? And it's, like, the actual fascists I was hanging out were, are they definitely not listening to the QAnon Anonymous live stream? So, like... Yeah whatever <laughs> but yeah. yeah it's weird it's weird you know a lot of it's just like knowing how people function and like understanding what someone's most likely to do yeah oh yeah so uh so did, did uh so um so uh, what you're basically saying is i need to title this uh podcast the uh interview of amanda aka frank the turtle aka do i get on the boat with bobby pickles oh my god uh, so <laughs> okay this, okay so that's, all right so that event was so fucking nuts so first of all there's like some guy who was like roger Stone's like right hand man for the night his name was eddie and i was like i'm getting in with eddie and <laughs> i got kicked out of the bar oh god 
So I walked into this event, which had changed like six venues, six different times that day. And I, it was $120 to get an open bar. So I walked to the bartender, gave him 20 bucks. And I said, gin and tonic as little gin as possible. And that was my plan. I was like, even if somebody else is getting it for me, he said, okay. So, cause you can fill up, if you have a little bit of tonic, you can fill it up with water in the bathroom and it looks like you're still drinking alcohol cause it's still a little fizzy. Um, yeah. I, I love your secrets with booze because I am a teetotaler who doesn't drink any alcohol at all. So this is this is all fascinating stuff to me. Oh yeah, they would like I would just be like, oh, I can't do shots. I have to have gin and tonics, and then just. Um, but I go. I'm talking to this woman who I see like she has like Roger Stone's like square reader because he's selling his t-shirts, of course. And her and Eddie exchange information, and I'm like, she's already talking to me. I'm like, this is perfect. We go to the bar and there's a 17 year old at this event. And now the event is over. So now we're in the main bar. There's a 17 year old at this event. We all know he's 17. It was like a big deal because he was very young and he was in a suit and he was in high school. And we all talked about this. I go to the bathroom. I come back. She's arguing with somebody who works at the bar. And then they're like, are you with her? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And they're like, you're out too. Apparently she bought a shot for the 17 year old. <laughs> Son so of a bitch. We run into some proud boys on the street and they're like, oh great. Like we are going to the bar over there across the street. It's downtown Tampa or whatever. They're like, okay, so we follow them. And she gets shit faced and she's just screaming out, I wanna fuck a proud boy. I wanna fuck a proud boy. <laughs> oh uh-huh. dear. Oh uh-huh. no. Oh yeah. So this is going on and on and then eddie starts texting her and i'm like you gotta fucking respond to eddie um i am like dead ass sober and i am like we have to go to eddie because eddie's with roger stone and that is why i'm here not for you lady right (laughs) so i just take her phone and i'm texting eddie so we we find we find eddie we find he's at a cigar bar. It's him and Roger Stone and a couple other people. So we're invited to attend. The two proud boys that are with us are coming. Her friend is coming with us. All of a sudden, the lady disappears. And I'm like, whatever. I know where I know where Roger Stone is. I don't care anymore. Yeah. So me and the one proud boy and the friend, like, oh, we're all go to the cigar bar. We're making progress. Everything's good. The cigar bar is closed. It's only us that are there. It's like eight of us. We're all yeah. talking. They're telling me about how Roger Stone's a proud boy and do I know what initiation is? And I'm like, yeah, look, we all fucking know. Like, what is this? What is this? This is so weird. Why are you, I'm at a proud boys event. Like, why are you trying to impress me by being a proud boy? What, a, what, what actually stupid. And then this bitch comes in and announces to us with, with the other proud boy that we had lost and announces they had sex in the alleyway. And Roger Stone looks at Eddie and he goes, Eddie, it's time to go home. And I was like, <laughs> I love the idea that this this woman ruined the vibe. She completely ruined the vibe. Sent Roger home. I'm like, what could I have found out if you hadn't come in here and announced you fucked a proud boy in the alleyway? Like, why did you have to do that? Oh, she was like 55 years old. I wouldn't be like super clear. Her daughter was my age. Oh my god, that's that's so awesome that this like this like fifty five year old woman was like I like me screwing a proud boy is like my trophy that this is my moment of victory and ruining and, my journalism. Yeah, yes, <laughs> just all at once. This is the people I've been hanging out with for a year. Oh uh, wow, that is. Uh, 
that's really, really incredible. Uh, I, I, my mind is blown by the fact that like, that is like the payoff of that event that you've, you finally got where you need to be. You finally have everything working the way you need it to work. And then like this, this thing that like literally couldn't happen. Like if this was a story in a movie, you wouldn't believe it. It's like an impossibility. Right. right. You're, you're, just, you're just like, this is a DSX machina that is completely unbelievable. And I refuse to accept it. Like I absolutely refuse to accept that this is, this is how this worked out. I, mean, I was just furious. Furious. Oh, you have to be. Oh, I mean, you have to be furious. I mean, that's just, it, it, that, that's unreal. That's it absolutely. It was like two in the morning. I had put in so much work. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! I like I'm, I'm like I mean it, it, like I mean this this I mean this is like what you're saying is like ten times worse than what I'm about to talk about. But it's like it's like being at a poker table with a drunk slob who's got like four thousand dollars in front of him, and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the one hand where you're gonna get that money from this idiot, <laughs> and like. Suddenly the moment happens and it's going to work out and you're, you've moved all in and you know he's going to call because he's stupid and he's drunk and he's called everybody in the spot all night long. And like right as he's about to put the chips in, his girlfriend walks over and is like, sweetie, Snookums, let, let, let's, let's go to bed. I, I'm tired. I've been shopping all night. I've been having fun in Vegas. And then he's like, oh, okay, dear, okay. And he throws the cards away, grabs a rack and leaves. And you're like, no, no, give me that four grand, you fucking moron. No, that's my money. Why did she show up then? No. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like there was this one night uh, I was uh, the morning supervisor at the Tropicana in Las Vegas. And um, my friend uh, worked there and he played in the room. And one day I walk in and he knows that uh, of all the things in this world I hate, I hate drunk people. And he knows that I have a very tight leash when it comes to throwing drunk tourists out of my room because I can't tolerate them. And I, I get within 20 feet of the room and he jumps out of his chair and he runs over to me and he's like, there are two drunk Russians that are coming back and you are not fucking throwing them out. And I was like, okay, you got it. No problem. And he's like, you don't understand. You're not throwing them out. And I was like, and I was like, okay, you got it. You got it. You, you, you can play the drunk Russians. And the the sad thing was, is the drunk Russians never came back. He never caught them. Oh no! <laughs> but it was just, it was just the greatest thing. It was just like, like this was this was his life's journey to find these drunk Russians, and apparently they had been giving away money all night long, That's and it was, nuts. and it was now like eight o'clock in the morning, and everyone was still playing at the table, and like five minutes before I showed up, they had just busted out again. The two of them were down like like three thousand dollars for the night, and this was a table where you could only buy in two hundred dollars at a time, and they were still finding ways to lose over a thousand dollars within an hour. They were <laughs> two hundred, burn it, two hundred, burn it, two hundred. They were just in it to win it to just give the table money, and yeah. but but unfortunately, apparently at eight o'clock they had had their fill, and that was the time when they went to the ATM and it didn't give them more money or something, and they just stayed away. 
And it was the heartbreak. You could, as eight turned to eight thirty, you could just feel the sadness on the table as they knew the drunk Russians were never going to return. <laughs> that that glorious, glorious fountain of free money was now being denied them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. Yes. Oh God. Ah. <laughs> That's it's I have I that's one of the things I really haven't talked a lot about uh, in my uh, various like experiences is like all the crazy shit that I've dealt with in Vegas because that town is nuts in case you didn't know so yeah I'm not the biggest fan like that was I mean there's a part of me and uh, that kind of wants to go to Patriot Double Down Part 2 in Vegas because I know the town so well. And I could probably, like, suss out where they're going to be, even though they try to keep their venue hidden until the last possible second. And it'd be fun. But unfortunately, I am uh, very hard to make uh, inconspicuous because I am a large dude who has the uh, Bobby Baratheon beard and all that kind of stuff. So I even think with a shave, I probably wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be too tricksy. So I wonder if I could have gone with a wig. It would have been fun to sit there while Red Pill 78 gave a speech about me. Oh, that would have been awesome. I remember like Travis view, like saying that he was at one convention where like some guy was like freaking out about him, but they did, they didn't point him out in the crowd. And I remember that. Yeah. 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 And he was just like, Oh man, I dodged a bullet there. So, uh, I wasn't even watching the Patriot Double Down when Zach started talking about me. I like got I was doing an interview with Mother Jones because like and we had a profile with somebody there and it's like been ongoing. Like he's I've been a source for him in the past. And like I got like a text from Alex, Karma twenty twenty one, like was messaging me, Arizona writing watch. Everybody was messaging me and I'm just like it's all on mute because I'm doing this fucking interview. <laughs> oh my god. What <laughs> Yeah, they're so pissed at me. Yeah. Of course they are. Of course it's they so are. So funny. I met Zach for like literally thirty minutes one time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we had uh, Vegas nightmare stories and the double down and Bobby Baratheon beards that I currently possess and all that fun stuff. So um, I'm trying to think if like a man, cause I am also kind of like my brain's turning into tapioca at this point. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, of the people that you engaged with, was there like anyone that like, just was, was there anything that anyone ever that said that like really like kind of surprised you were like, wow, I really didn't think you were going to go there with that or anything. Was there ever a moment where like someone like kind of like, like, put you off balance with a statement of some kind. I mean, I know it's a kind of a vague statement, but I mean, not anybody I knew. I I mean, there were times where somebody would say something and I'm just like, what in the fuck? Like the first time I ever heard somebody like give a recipe for hydroxychloroquine, it was like put grapefruit peels in the water and the orange peels and put it in the fridge for 30 days. I literally, I'm like, what the fuck? But like nobody who was like, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm also like so, so numb to it at this point that I don't even know what you could say because like people like I'm hanging out with like are talking about, you know, forced or maybe voluntary repatriation of people. 
And like, it, it would just be so hard at this point to shock me. Like I was on Julian's live stream and he was like showing me all these videos, like trying to like shock me. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> like, whatever. Like, my brain's broken. Nothing matters anymore. Oh, um, um, oh you know? yeah, you're, you're just like, I'm dead inside. I don't know what you're talking about. That just like reminded me like uh, when Mike Rothschild did the knowledge fight uh, podcast. Oh my at- God, it was so good. At, 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 one, at one point, like Dan and Jordan were like, God damn, man, you are bumming us out. And it's like, and it was just like so funny to me that like guys dealing with Alex Jones were like found like QAnon too heavy and oppressive for them. Yeah. And uh, it, it reminded me, uh, one of my friends said this to me, and then I said it to a journalist later on when, when they were interviewing me, uh, that if I don't see the light in the journalist's eyes die, by the end of the interview, I have failed to properly convey what is going on. Like yeah. I, I have to crush this person in order to actually get across the point of what QAnon is and what it's all about. And because and, and and that happened in the sense where I was talking to this, I was talking to this reporter, and at, at one point, I like they just gave a sigh and they were just like well, and I was like, yep, I, I, there, there it is. I did it. The light just went out of her eyes. I can feel it. I, even though we're on the phone, I know I've done it. Yeah. And yeah. And it, I mean, it's like, I've had people like tell me or the people say to me, they're like, Trump lost and Q stopped posting. Why is this still going on? And I just tell them, I'm like, well, did Christianity end when Jesus got killed? I mean, just because, like, the protagonist has fallen doesn't mean that the legend doesn't continue to grow. I mean, so. And this past year has been really bad for it because now it's a, it's an, it's a real person community, you know, where you could go maskless and have fun and live a normal life no matter how blue the place you lived in was. And I think it really, really pushed people over the edge. I and I mean, like, I'm not like completely like doom and gloom. Like, I think that fascists are useless trash, even the rank and file ones. And I have no interest in redeeming any of them. And I don't give a fuck. I think that you know the average QAnon believer is redeemable. I you know that's a it's a different world. Right? It's a conspiracy theory. It's not you know literal Nazism or adjacent Nazism. Um, so I think you know. I think there's it. I, I think it can be better. I think it will be better. Um, my doom and gloom is more about fascism than QAnon and conspiracy theories. To be honest, yeah. Get me talking about populism, and I'll really depress you. That's that's oh, what, that's where I break the light out of people's eyes. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the, I mean, that's really the, the problem with like what's happening with QAnon is that like, I mean, and it's not even just like ghost Ezra being a, a flat out Nazi or any of that kind of stuff. It's the fact that you were having the Republican party in America uh, becoming literally anti-democratic. You're having the woman running for governor of Arizona say, Oh, I wouldn't have certified the election if I was governor. And you're having the guy running for secretary of state of Arizona saying the same thing. And you're, you now have a political party in America that it, that may, I mean, I don't know who's going to win these primaries, but those two people are endorsed by Donald Trump. And you're you're now having people running for office 
under the banner of a major political party that are literally saying, I will end democracy if I win. Like, if you vote me in the office, this will be the last election. Like, the next election won't count because I won't accept it if I lose. And I mean, I, I mean, we will never have another fair free election again. I mean, we've never had them, but we'll have even less of them now because... I mean, this was always the plan. That's why that's why they want to audit the states that Trump won. You know, they want to undermine democracy at every possible level. And and they want at the hyper local level, they want you to harass people and antagonize people and bully their children until they no longer feel safe in office and they quit. And then you can take over because you're in the same party and it's fine. And this is literally what they're telling people to do. And it's what they have done. It's what they did in Greenville, South Carolina. It's it's what they're doing all over. And I mean, I, you know, I was friends with a precinct captain in Michigan and, and he's also a whistleblower. Um, and in the crossover, I mean, like fascists think that QAnon is stupid and they think that QAnon believers are stupid, but they need them. They need their bodies just like they needed them at the Capitol. You know, they're, they're the useful idiots. You can't have an insurrection about the useful idiots taking up the space. Well, you go do the actual work. And it's the same thing here. It's better to have a QAnon person in the school board or whatever, because you share the same fundamental beliefs that Donald Trump should be president or maybe God. And you, you know, you believe that masks are bad and that coronavirus is fake and you believe that we need more Jesus. And it's, you know, it's, I mean, I remember, you know, January 5th, the night before the insurrection, there was a whole, it was a whole day. It was a whole day of events at Freedom Plaza. And it was just like, there's like the, there's like dudes in three percenter shirts and dudes in QAnon shirts just like having a good time eating hot dogs together, and I I didn't recall another time I'd really seen that before, and that that meshing together of them and now of the mainstream Republican Party, it's it's horrifying and it's you know I think if you look at what was like fringe a year ago and it's you know becoming more and more mainstream now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I remember conversations where literally people would ask me, like I was, I saw something, I saw Lynn Wood, an event, very small event, maybe a hundred of us, only a hundred tickets, like sold out event, very small, very intimate. And like, I remember like someone at my table being like, why does he think that we should audit states that Trump won? And I'm like, oh, because what if, what if the city council was on the same ballot and the city council, there's a, a, a rhino. You know, and she's like, oh, and it's just like, yeah, I like watching. I mean, I remember watching Lynn Wood say it for the first time I had heard him say it. And like, it's a it's a coordinated effort. Like, it's I mean, it's a Tea Party. They're all former Tea Party people that are like leading this. And and it's just this, you know, it's it is it is very bad. It is very bad. And I think it's primarily led by fascists more than it's led by QAnon people. Um but that could also just be the bias that I have of who I was hanging out with because I'm 33 and not 53. And so like fascists are 33 and QAnon people are 53. You know what I mean? Like that's just by nature of my age. Um, yeah. I, I just love that. You're just like, Hey, us Gen Z's are fascists. Whereas you boomer slash Gen Xers, you guys are the QAnon people. So I mean, I just so Gen Z organized the guy who organized the american populist union which was like one of the most like blatantly fascist events i went to he was 16 years old one six <laughs> none of the speakers were old enough to get a rental car except for joe kitten anthony sabatini who are famously elected politicians <laughs> 
Ah, man. Ah, feeling the light dying my eyes. So nice. Ah, it's Told right. you. We'll just oh. give me 20 minutes with populism. I'll ruin you. Oh, oh man. Hey, no, it's it's more like a comfortable old sweater for me. I, I hate having optimism. I hate having any I hate having any joy in my life. Just uh yeah, just being crushed. That's 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 where I'm comfortable. That's that's the that's the good place for me. Good, good. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad to be of help. Uh oh man, I you had said something and now my follow-up question has just like kind of melted in my brain. Um, cause it, it, it was just like you had, you would, oh, you know, you had said, oh, that's what it was. You said that Lynn Wood had been pressured to run. Was, was that for his run for the GOP party chair in South Carolina that he was told to run? Cause yeah. he, he, but, but he ran against a guy who smoked him. So like, it didn't work. Like, was oh, that? Oh, I know. Yeah. I actually DM Drew McKissick and I was like, bro, if you ever want to do a lawsuit against this guy, you should just fucking call me because I got everything. <laughs> um yeah he he was you know a lot of it it's very complicated i think um but i think you know the crux of it is people really wanted like presley stutz was really looking for someone to like run um in in that position and you know like connections and connections people know people know people and like lidwood was like um like the golden goose. He was like, there's no way Lynn was ever going to call me back. I mean, this is a story they tell publicly. So like what happened at closed doors? I don't know, but like they knew enough of the same people that it makes sense that, you know, this would happen. Um, and yeah. So, you know, I think it was a good publicity stunt for the QAnon infiltration movement. And like, it clearly did something because, you know, Lynn Wood is quite involved, um, with like local shit in South Carolina um, as well as his constant, never-ending endorsement of lunatic Candace Taylor for governor of Georgia. So he's still being able to put, you know, one foot in each state and kind of meddle in politics there. Yeah. He was talking about running for sheriff in South Carolina in, like, his local neck of the woods, but I haven't seen him uh, actually uh, put any effort into into Linwood for sheriff, as it were, which... Um, Given the like the psych evaluation he was supposed to be given, giving him arresting powers and a gun seems like empower. Uh, again, for those of you who are stuck uh, listening to the audio version of this, Amanda just made waggly fingers at me to indicate <laughs> that an armed, an armed and arresting capable Linwood probably not the best of ideas. So uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a lunatic. He's real. I mean, I don't know. So I feel him and Mike Mike Lindell like. Somebody needs to intervene and help these people because they are not doing well, I think. I think they're also bad people, but they're also not doing well. Like, it could be both at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, again, you don't know people from a distance, and I don't know how many times you've been at the bar with Mike Lindell, as it were. But uh, Mike just feels like uh, a guy who managed to win the capitalism lottery and have more money than he knows what to do with. And he just feels like someone who got pilled and now, uh, 
I hate you. I hate to constantly bring up wrestling analogies, but he is what we would call in that business a money mark. Like he's like someone who, uh, if you were a washed-up wrestler back in the day, he'll pay you fifty thousand dollars to come to his local gymnasium and like beat up the local champion of your town or whatever. And people are like, "Oh man, I'm hurting for cash. I better call up Mike Lindell and get a couple bookings with him. That'll help me pay the rent for the for the winter." And and it just feels like because I mean David Montgomery managed to get to Mike Lindell and rook him on those packet captures and anybody who has any ability to screen or investigate people would know that David Montgomery is the most radioactive, toxic, horrible scammer on the face of God's green earth. So. If you're walking up to David Montgomery with a with a big sack with the dollar sign written on it, and he's handing you a thumb drive, you're the sucker. You're the biggest sucker that ever lived. And I think that's a really good way to describe him because he's actually the only person I've ever felt. I, I've not, I don't feel bad about anything I've ever done in this world. You know, in this context, I've occasionally been like, oh fuck, this poor guy, and then I'm like, fuck it, he sucks shit. Like he's trying to overthrow democracy. Fuck him. But like, I do like. People really love Mike. I, 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 I cannot stress enough. Like it is a genuine, sincere, like there, people do not have a reason to lie to me. And I mean, like media people, like low level live streamers, like fascists that I was hanging out with that were like, help, like recruiting me to like help overthrow democracy with like the congressional staffers that they know. It doesn't matter. Everybody fucking loves Mike Lindell. And he's so sincere I mean, he's, I don't, I'm not comfortable generally saying people are true believers. Not. I also don't give a shit because I don't really think it, it forgives what they've done. But he, I am absolutely comfortable saying this man is a true believer. He is all in and people like are protective of him. They like, you can't insult Mike Lindell because first of all, he's like a sad puppy when you do. Like when Jordan Klepper like made fun of him to his face, he's like a sad puppy. He just gets frustrated and upset and then you feel like an asshole. But also like, Everybody is just like, man, he's so great. I'm so excited he's here. He's like, you know, they they love, like, I don't want to say they love his financial contributions because it makes it sound like he's our friend because he's rich, but like they love that he's willing to like contribute and help people. And they're so grateful to him. People who got put on a Frank speech who prior had like small, tiny platforms, not that Frank speech is big, but their Frank speech credentials allow them to get into all these events for free and like go to stuff and cover it. They say, oh, man, Mike really saved me. Mike really saved what we were trying to do. Mike really helped us build a platform, you know, and it's they they love him and respect him. And it's he's he's a hero. He's a god. And I think I think I think more than Flint. And I it just, you know, he's like he, because he's like a dumb puppy. I think that kind of brings out a feeling in people where if, if Mike was on my team, I would probably be like, hell yeah, I'll fight someone for him, you know? Cause he's like, he can't take care of himself. He's a fucking idiot. And <laughs> I think you know, it's kind of some of that. And they just, everyone really, really loves. So when he makes mistakes like that, most people that I know, and I, I literally I'm again, queuing on rank and file, queuing on like media, uh, literal like blood and soil fascists, doesn't matter. Regular MAGAs, they're, they all, all of them that I know love him. I don't know anybody that has a bad thing to say about Mike. 
I bet. I mean, it, it, it feels like he is a incredibly evil and less intelligent Ted Lasso for the QAnon MAGA community, where he's just so in it to win it and so doe-eyed optimistic about everything. I mean, and I his really... his accent helps. <laughs> yep. And, and, and I, I mean, I feel like when he put up that $5 million challenge for the packet captures, he probably meant it. He probably thought the packet captures were good and there was no way anyone was going to bunk him. And then when the moment of truth arrived and someone was just like, no, Mike, you've been sold a bill of goods. And he had to retract the, the offer and couldn't show the packet captures to anybody. I mean, that, I mean, that had to be so demoralizing to him, but like, even after that all happened, I remember that he was on Infowars and Alex was trying to get him to like bury David Montgomery and he wouldn't do it. Yeah, he, kept saying, he kept saying, no, David Montgomery gave me these magic beans and they are going to grow into a mighty beanstalk and I will be able to climb it. And Alex was just like, God damn it. I mean, I can't go at this guy because I really need those my pillow crumbs because this Sandy Hook settlement's coming down the pike and I'm going to need every nickel I can get. So I can't actually tell Mike, no, David Montgomery fucked you. The packet captures are bullshit. Cause if I do that, I'm going to get the sad puppy and then I'm not going to get my affiliate link for my pillow. And I can't let Jack Postebeck get all that. My pillow money. Fuck that guy. Oh my God. And that guy sucks. You know what? I was at an event once. This is a total tangent, but somebody said to him, dead ass. I was <laughs> sitting next to her and she was like jack i'm so sorry you had to have a white male as a child because that's the most canceled canceled human and your child is cursed before and this she was serious <laughs> i think the child is canceled because jack's his dad so i think that's just a canceled life it's very sad for you out of the gate but yeah that's yeah i can't i can't see him now without thinking about some woman seriously being like white men have the hardest struggle in this country and i'm so sorry for your child um if i ever like made fuck you money to the point where like i was allowed to like just do whatever i wanted and didn't have to like bear the repercussions of polite society i would absolutely get knuckle tats that's an easy mode so just to reflect upon the fact that being a white male was the best possible outcome for my birth <laughs> but i literally got to play life on easy mode the whole way and i know this and i mean and people would be like, what does that mean, easy mode? I'm like, I'm a white guy. Life's easy. That's what it means. Like, this, this is, I mean, this is like playing Oregon Trail and you're the banker. You get to buy whatever the fuck you want. You don't have to go out and shoot the animals. You ain't going to die of dysentery because you eat well. You just ford the river and win. It's great. I mean, so it's just like, uh, as a, I mean, we're now over the two-hour mark and I'm getting particularly punchy, but this just is one of those things that like, I, I, when I get into arguments with like Christians about like God and heaven and hell and stuff like that, I just tell them, I'm like, so you're a Christian and you were born in America and your parents were Christian, which those like your geography and your parentage like kind of dictates like 90% of your religion, like all studies have like kind of proven that. And it just so happens that Christianity is the one true religion. So you're going to get to go to heaven when you die because this is going to work out. Does a kid born in Iran to Shia parents 
does he get bonus points for converting to Christianity and getting to heaven because he got there on hard mode? I mean, because his path to the Christian heaven is way tougher than yours. Way harder. Way harder. So, I mean, he should get, like, super bonus heaven when he makes it. Super like, bonus heaven. Yeah. So, I mean, like, come on. Like, just, like, like explain that to me. And there's, like, well, all paths lead to Jesus. And I'm, like, dude. That's what you- they say. And I'm just like, but you you have to admit it's tougher for the kid born in Iran. And they just won't do it. They just won't do it. And I'm like, you're just lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself and you know it. Much as you know that me as an atheist, I know that God is real and I'm just denying him so I can sit with impunity. I know that you're lying about this. So yeah. just just accept it. And it's just yeah. that's just that's just that conversation. Which has nothing to do with anything, but it was just something that popped into my head and this is what you get at midnight. When well, I, I mean, like I mean, that's a lot of my childhood. Like I would get in trouble for asking questions like that and Part of why I'm so interested in QAnon is because it reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> so I actually don't think it's too unrelated. Yeah. You know, it's like, no matter where you are, like what, what your background is, like eventually you come to the same conclusion, right? Which is that my belief is right. My belief oh. about this thing is right. Yeah. My belief about a thing that we have no objective evidence for and can never have objective evidence for, because the only way you can find out is after you're dead and dead people don't talk about this shit. So like, that's one of the things that's like always so funny to me when uh, people are having these just incredibly passionate arguments on a Saturday or a Sunday morning about a football game. And I'm like, guys, guys, the football game is going to happen in like 12 hours. We're going to get a result. You don't have to get red in the face about this. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't like who's going to go to heaven and hell. We are going to get a result. Like, uh, like the teams are going to play. There's going to be a game. The Browns are going to beat the Steelers or vice versa. And someone's going to win money on the gambling and someone's going to lose money on the gambling. We, we, this isn't a lifelong crisis where you're debating your buddy about what does it mean to be a good Christian and what happens to us after we die? Cause like it, it there's results. There's a scoreboard. One number is going to be bigger than the other number. It, it's not that tough. But it doesn't, I mean, nothing matters. <laughs> like you can't, you can't reason with people when like, you know, they have the belief set that they want to have. Yeah. It just is what it is. And for, uh, for those of you who uh, know how like television production works, it just felt like Amanda had a depth of field camera because she just started walking and the background got all weird and fuzzy. And I was just like, "What is going on here? Is like, is this like a, is, is, is this like a selfie stick that I'm, that I'm on? I, 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 I that was that was jarring. No, this my laptop picked it up. Laptop was dying. <laughs> it uh-huh. had to be charged. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh man. Uh. So uh, I guess now that I've uh, we've, we've now broken the two hour mark, um, I will again give a vague statement about closing remarks or comments or thoughts that you might have, and see if we accidentally hit hour three or if we wrap this up. Either way, I'm I'm punchy and incoherent, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta lead, you gotta say because I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, okay. well, my brain is mush i don't okay. even know well, that, that 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 sounds like it's time to call it a day here then <laughs> so if, if, if your brain is mush and my brain is mush also so uh i really appre- appreciate you talking to me uh i have a friend who has been like uh like he's 
like kind of like the unofficial like producer of the podcast as it were like uh he was talking to everybody about getting vpns and talking about like uh cybersecurity and all this kind of stuff and working on trying to help us preventing being doxxed and i told him about um what was going on with like you getting docs and going public and all this stuff happening and all this attention that was occurring. And he was like, Oh man, you got to get her on the podcast. That would be so cool. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to try. I'm going to talk to her because her story is incredibly interesting and the kind of stuff that really, I mean, it's just amazing that you did the work that you did and it's, I'm grateful for it. And Thank you. Uh, then I just saw like, just, all the stuff that was going on. And I was just like, man, this, like she has just touched a nerve that is really something that obviously people care an incredible amount about. And then, um, these, uh, shitheads got your Twitter account suspended because that's how they operate. Um, yeah, and that's and that's and that's one of the things that like I've learned is that like I am incredibly gun shy about writing certain things when I write them on Twitter because like uh, that really long thread I wrote about Martin Geddes, there was like at one point where he was talking about how uh, the vaccine is going to do these things and uh, we are likely to have very frequent farewells, which was like an incredibly euphemistic way of saying that the vaccine is going to kill a lot of people. And I like wrote my reply out and my reply originally was Martin says a lot of people are going to die from the vaccine and then I just looked at those words, die from the vaccine, and I'm like, that could get me mass reported. So I literally I, I literally edited it to say perish from the vaccine to try to euphemize it and make it softer and not trigger any algorithms. And because uh, the time I got suspended from Twitter was incredibly hilarious and incredibly frustrating to me because I had literally written the same tweet like six times previously. I don't know because uh, – um, I don't know if you know Chapo Trap House uh, and those guys. Oh, but, of course. Okay, so you know Chap, but but like basically, um, after the 2018 midterms when the Democrats won the House, they hit like uh, one of the guys was incredibly drunk, and they had a caller call in, and the drunk host was on a was going on a tirade, and he was just like, and he just said, "Democrats suck ass. There is no hope." And the caller was trying to talk to him, and he just yelled at the caller. He was like, kill yourself and kill everyone around you. And the other co-hosts were like, no, bro, don't. No, wrong. Don't say those things. So, like, whenever anybody would, like, talk about, like, I don't, like Chapo being, like, like pro-Democrat or, like, helping liberals get elected, I would be like, one of the co-hosts actually told people to kill themselves and kill others when the Democrats won the house. So I don't think they're really that pro Democrat. And like, I had said that a million times. And then like one day I said that to somebody and then like five minutes later, bam, 12 hour suspension for promoting self harm. And I was like, I was quoting somebody else literally in context, explained that I was quoting someone else saying something. I did not say this. This is bullshit. It's bullshit. And then it's, when I got it's bullshit, but fucking Matrix Shady Groove have a Twitter account. Fucking they, bullshit. They they do. Sweet. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring that up. 
I am going to uh, send me that link and I will post it to my QAnon is still a problem on Twitter thread. Absolutely. I will do that immediately. But uh, yeah, fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. Yes. They used to follow me on Twitter and my fash account. (laughs) Because we were friends. (laughs) Oh, I I just... Definitely are Facebook friends. Or we were. Uh, uh, I, I, I just laugh because all I can think about when you're saying stuff like that is, again, my dumb game of Secret Hitler, where half the players are actual fascists. So I just love the idea of Amanda the fascists, who is conning people by pretending to be liberal. So, yeah, that's just... Got a lot of practice of <laughs> being a fake fascist, that's for sure. Yes. So maybe tomorrow night... Uh, you'll just have to uh, come up with some sort of uh, ban evasion account to be part of the game. It'll be great. <laughs> so, I, I didn't say any of that. I, I didn't say any of that Twitter. I have never encouraged ban evasion. You can all shut up. So, so uh, I'm already IP banned. How? Oh, you, you'll get on an IP banned. You'll find a different IP. It'll all work out. It's I great. did that a year ago. No, we're back where we started. Well, you'll, you'll just have to talk to Wyatt because that guy is literally working on his 500th ban evasion account and is ne- he can't stop. And nothing stop. matters. Nothing matters. What? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I will uh, find means by which to keep in touch with you, <laughs> given the nature of the current social media embargo that you're engaged in, be it uh, semaphore code, carrier pigeon, uh, telegram, actual physical telegrams, not tele- telegram, the Nazi hellscape, uh, social media platform. But, uh, I hope you find ways to stay in communication with everybody else. Uh, the work you did is incredible. This conversation has been incredibly enlightening and fascinating. Uh, I hope people enjoy it, even though the two of us were sleep deprived, goofy morons by the 90 minute mark. So uh, for all of that, uh, thank you for being here. And I hope that we can do this again sometime in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.